Good evening and welcome to the 17th meeting for the Planning Board of Fiscal 2023. At this time, I'd like to call the meeting to order and introduce the members of the Planning Board and staff. Um, we can go around. Um, Cheryl? Cheryl Tagayas, member. And our members on Zoom, Rich? I think you're muted, Rich. Maggie? Is he muted? Um, we don't have sound coming through the screen. Yep. Maggie? Introductions? I don't think she's getting audio. I think they're trying, but they're not. Yes. We're getting our audio and sound together. Thank you. So, Rich, why don't we go ahead and we'll introduce our staff, Tim. Uh, Tim Jaworski, uh, Director of Planning and Community Development. And Josh. Josh can get through. I think he has the same trouble. Maybe. He's having the same trouble. Yeah. So we're working on that. So welcome to Maggie, um, who is on Zoom, Rich, and Josh. Uh, Julia cannot be with us this evening, but um, welcome everybody. And it's really nice to be back in person, um, at least at a hybrid, a hybrid version. So. Um, while we are getting um, ourselves together, we can talk um, briefly about administrative items. Um, the we're in good shape as far as being caught up on our on our minutes. Um, the last meeting was uh, January twenty sixth. I have not seen your edit, so I haven't looked at the minutes. I'm sorry. That's okay. That's I figured, and I um, and we're in really good shape with those, so no rush. Um, and we can defer our. January 26th uh, minutes until the February 23rd meeting. Um, we can go on to discuss um, our next meeting dates. Um, the next meeting, we actually, and Tim will touch on this, but we have um, a great MBTA um, community uh, forum that's gonna be hosted on Zoom February, 20, uh, February 16th. Um, I did wanna mention, Tim, I found out that that is Tucker's uh, Unity Night for their schools. Um, I know it was tough to get dates together, but I, I just wanted you to be aware. Yeah. So, um, because so we'll, we'll be recording that and posting it, and they'll be that's make what sure I, that there's many, many more opportunities. That people can go on yeah, and, and take a absolutely. look at that. Okay, great. Um, so that would be, um, I hope, I encourage everyone to, um, to attend that Zoom meeting. It's gonna be really interesting. Um, Tim will elaborate more about that and we'll discuss that a little bit later. Um, and then we also will have a meeting on February 23rd um, for, the, uh, for our next, um, those will be the next two meetings that we'll be attending. Um, then we can now begin with a staff um, update. Uh, thank you. So um, a couple things, and I, I re you know, it's funny. I'm in the building. My notebook is upstairs. It's usually <laughs> in my bags. Um, so we'll, we'll get used to being back in person. Um, we, we've been working on, on a bunch of things. I think um, a, a few things that are especially um, relevant. I, I might have passed this along to the board. Um, we did get a new batch of subsidized housing inventory units listed mm -hmm. on our inventory. Um, these are 40 units that were approved as a result of the 648 Canton Ave project, the residences at East Milton project, 16 Amar Road, 936 Brush Hill Road, and then two units at 92 Brush Hill Road from the Tim, Walkout can Woods. I, can I just interrupt you for a moment? I have a message from Rich that says we, that they can 
we can't hear them still. They can hear us and they can hear each other. Is that right, mm. Rich? Yeah, you okay. good. All right. All right. So we just, so the problem we, is we can't hear them. Correct. Okay. Um, I think, are you still working on that? But that is our, that's the update? They're not muted. Uh, I don't think so. Rich looks muted. Right. I'm speaking, testing, oh, okay. testing. Josh, testing. there you go. Here, Josh. Here. Right. Yes. Maggie, got can we try have. you? Got you yes, yep, I'm all right, here. Great. Yeah, all right, terrific. Um, thank you. That's bra bravo, and thank Sorry you to that. the MATV team, who is excellent, <laughs> as always. Um, <clears throat> so um, just to sort of keep everyone updated on, on, on all of this, um, the subsidized housing inventory is the, the 40B affordable housing list. Um, when you approve a comprehensive permit project, a 40B project, um, all of those units go right on your list. Mm -hmm. um, the DHCD wants... They, they're encouraging you to approve these units. Um, if a building permit isn't issued for a project within 12 months, then those units come off the list. Because what they're, what they're interested in is, is the units actually being built. You can't take credit for them for too long um, without them actually sort of getting built. So um, we actually, this is all relevant because through our housing production plan, if we hit certain production goals, which is approving subsidized housing units over the course of a year, um, we can get safe harbor from 40B um, through that housing production plan. Um, but there's an ebb and flow as units get approved, and then if they don't get built yet, they come off, and then new ones come on. So we're in kind of the, an intertidal zone, <laughs> as it were, um, with our SHI. So the 582 Blue Hill Ave project, um, those units, we got credit for them last year. They are now off our inventory because a building permit hasn't been issued. Um, we, um, our target is 98 units in a two-year period, mm -hmm. um, which is which is more than made up for by the Canton Ave project with 116 right. units. Um, but again, that was approved on May, May 1st, 20, uh, I think it was May 1st. It was in May 2022. That gives us safe harbor for two years through the housing production plan. So but that's not going to get building permits by May 1st, 2023 either. Um, so those units will come off the inventory. Um, so our safe harbor is through May 2024. It, it's time. technically through May 2024, but we lose 116 units right. that we got credit for on May 1st, 2023. Now then you have to look at what the <laughs> approval date for the East Milton project yeah. was, which is a couple weeks after that. So we're, we're back in safe harbor for a couple weeks. And then that one's not going to get building permits either by <coughs> mid-May mm -hmm. or June of 2023. So... Um, this is, you know, this is this is the way of the world with 40B. Um, you know, these projects they're difficult. Some some get appealed. Some it just takes a really long time to get building permits. Um, they want you to do this in a timely way. So, um, Cheryl. So, just so it's we're all clear, the temporary safe harbor is something that fluctuates as these permits come and go. So it's not something they give you for two years and then after two years you come back and determine where you are. It's something that they're tracking all the time, so that they know that these permits are, haven't yeah, been Yeah, so this, this was a question that we had when, when, when this first came up, um, where we, we had the housing production plan and we approved a big bundle of units through Blue Hill Ave and Blue Hills Parkway. 
um, with the understanding that you know one of those projects was going to sort of progress through, but one of them was was very controversial. We knew it was going to be subject to an appeal by abutters, probably not going to get a building permit in that one year period. Um, and so it was kind of an open question as to which trumps which, the two years that you get for approving the units or the fact that after one year, many of those units are actually off your list. Um, and as it turns out, the, the second is what, so, so they are keeping track of these units okay. on a kind of ongoing basis. And so, um, and the other, the, the other trick of all this is, is you know, once those, once those units are off, so they're off. Right. So I have a question. Somebody has a piece of property and they're understanding that there's a safe, temporary safe harbor. They can file, let's say, in that two or three week period in May, they could file and we would have to accept that application, right? Yeah. Because and for those two or three weeks, we're out of compliance. Well, and so, we've so new, the, the, we've had new projects. Too, so the, yeah. the certification of compliance that we got from DHCD is like exclusively about the Canton Ave project because that's the big one that sort of got us over 98 units. So that's where they sort of put their kind of dates on. It's, you know, the date of approval and then two years from that. Mm -hmm. But then there's the 12 month period. When I say, you know, then you go to the East Milton one, if, you know, we could make the argument that we still have safe harbor because we have 84 units from East Milton for a year of safe harbor from the middle of May to the middle of May 2023. Um, what I, I guess what I'm saying is after you know June 1st 2023, we're we're out of safe harbor. Um, okay. So that's um, the clear part. That's not too far off. Yeah. So and you've got to keep approving units in order to get back into that safe harbor. Um, I'll segue into our, our work with BSC Group on the General uh, Land Area Minimum Project. Um, we've, I've been in close contact with the engineers at BSC over the past two weeks. Um, it's a very complicated process, but they're doing a really, really good job. Um, so I'm hoping to have um, a report from them in the, in the very near future. The, the, the lead on the project is actually out um, until next Wednesday. Um, but they're working, um, they're working hard on the project. I don't know exactly how it's going to, and, and, and what I've asked them to do and what the scope of where I asked them to do is just, you know, assume these 40B projects are going to be built the way they're approved. That's the only assumption that we can make. And where does that get us in terms of, you know, one and a half percent? What, what, what I'll tell you, and I, I said this in, 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 in an email that I had forwarded to the board, but if you look, and I don't know like what the correlation between the land and the units is, that's the, the important part of that work that they're doing. But if you look at the, the projects that have been approved, um, we currently have 748 units on the subsize housing inventory. We need 946 to get to 10%. Um, if all of the projects that are kind of still outstanding or you know, yet to be, so that means getting 582 Blue Hill Ave back, which means building permits, 20 units from 728 Randolph Ave, 90 units from 711 Randolph Ave, which is in the process of applying for building permits. That gets us to 942 units. So at that point, if all those projects actually happen, we are one project away from 10% safe harbor. And that does not harbor. include Winter Valley, correct? Right. So, so the, win the Winter Valley units, the units, when they get built, 36 plus 942 would put mm -hmm. us over the top. And then, you know, we're trying to do something at Town Farm. There's another handful of units that are coming in from other inclusionary projects. Um, you know, we would be a handful of units away from, from 
you know, I can't, I, I don't know how the glam is going to work out. This math gives me hope that, you know, if those two metrics are kind of running head to head, that will also be in good shape on glam. But, but again, it assumes those projects actually get developed. Right. So that's a moving target too, glam. Um, it's a moving target until it's not. Um, until they're built. Right. So, you know, the, the, the reason why glam is a little bit more sturdy than, than the units is, you know, that denominator changes. So if there's more development and affordable development doesn't keep pace with that, you know, in the 2030 census, you know, we may fall below. We're not taking land out of conservation restriction and we're not demolishing affordable housing projects. So once you have that land area, it's pretty, it's pretty resilient. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and so that's why it's important, you know, that's why we talked about this a year and a half ago, you know, Denny, God bless her, had the, the good sense to say, let's get that number. Mm -hmm. um, and so we'll know um, and be able to track so both of those. So did you say when we might have that, would it be by June? So like when, when these others? I, I can't, I can't imagine that. Yeah, it'll be by June. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Um, the, ba, 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 ba. I'm actually going to, real quick before we move to Josh, because he's got a little news on some um, greenhouse gas and climate change planning that we're doing, um, but just really quick, um, Milton Landing, um, we've gotten our final deliverables from our consultant through our Mass Trails grant um, about the feasibility of a potential connection over the abandoned rail bridge um, behind 88 Wharf. Mm -hmm. um, it, 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 we, could, we could build a trail over it. Um, it'll hold up. It'll cost some money, um, but um, but so the, the you know that was that that was exactly what we needed to hear from them on that one. The same consultant is working with us on a dredging feasibility study um, in the Neponset River from Milton Landing all the way out to the Neponset Bridge. Um, still waiting. Within the next few weeks, we're going to get a final report from them. I've had discussions with the Environment Department in City of Boston and also folks in City of Quincy. Um, City of Boston is on board to continue the discussion on both of those projects, looking into, you know, all right, we can get across the bridge. What happens when we get into Dorchester? You know, where can a trail potentially go? They want to have that conversation. Um, and then the dredging project, um, very supportive of. Um, we had gotten very close to getting a support letter for our original application from them, just couldn't get a signature from the mayor at the time. But they're supportive of that project. They think it's, um, you know, it, it's going to really open up some, some really good opportunities for them. So um, we've got good partners on those projects. Um, it's just all about now chasing, you know, some more grant funding to do That's great. The, the additional study and then, you know, eventually doing, doing the dredging, um, you know, if it, if it turns out that that's a feasible option. Um, Josh, I'd like to turn it over to you um, to talk about our recent uh, solicitation for greenhouse gas inventory. Thanks, Tim. And just confirming you can hear me? Yes. Yes. Great. Uh, so we are working with two grants that we received, um, one uh, through the Community Compact Program uh, is providing us funding for a uh, greenhouse gas updated inventory and pathways analysis for meeting uh, sort of state uh, re emissions reductions goals. Um, our response window closed for that last week and we received two excellent responses. Uh, we're going through this sort of contract process with the bidder who uh, submitted the lowest bid um, and should be getting that started uh, within the next week or so um, if, if everything works out on the contract side of things. Um, they will be taking about six to eight months to perform a updated greenhouse gas inventory 
that'll be up to the international standards, the local government operations protocol, um, so that it's comparable with other cities uh, across the state, across the country, um, and is using as up-to-date and as accurate data possible regarding uh, both mobile and stationary sources of emissions in Milton. They'll also be doing some high-level analysis of potential reductions sort of pathways for us to reduce uh, car emissions and personal home uh, emissions as well as municipal uh, emissions that we have in the town. Um, that will sort of dovetail nicely into the new uh, Climate Action Planning Committee and help guide, uh, with the technical aspect of it, guide some of their decision-making and the analysis they get, they get to do. Um, so hopefully that will be really informative for that group. Uh, we're also working on a grant through uh, MAPC's Accelerating Climate Resiliency Program uh, to do the feasibility analysis for a microgrid project with Winter Valley um, Police Station and Town Hall connecting us on an islandable microgrid in the case of grid failure due to climate uh, sort of disasters, intense storms, uh, high heats, um, extreme colds. And that project, uh, the response window closes at the end of next week, and so we'll get those contracts started in about two weeks. Um, we've had a robust response so far, so we're expecting some really good um, consultant support on that as well, and have been working very closely with Sarah McLaren and the folks at the board at uh, Winter Valley, um, so they're very aware and very supportive of that work. Um, so, so those are the two climate efforts we're doing, and they should both um, be really helpful and uh, informative to the Climate Action Planning Committee. That's great, Josh. Thank you. Excellent. Okay, great. More to come on that. <clears throat> um, so we now, if that's everything, Tim, if you didn't that's have anything that's else? All, that's all I got. Um, we can now move to citizen speak. Um, just for the public, we do have two public hearings, so you will have an opportunity to speak at that time on um, on the um, at the public hearing on those on those agenda items but if there's anyone who would like to speak on anything else zoom or in person i would welcome hi. anyone to come yes oh, welcome hi, I carol please feel free to sit if you want at the table okay. or they can't hear you they might not be able to hear you at least grab a microphone a microphone then yeah. you can be heard yeah okay. uh, carol stalker on hillside street and I want to thank you all for the wonderful work you do. And Tim came and spoke to our neighborhood group the other day and gave gotcha. part of an evening away. And we just think you guys are wonderful. Um, so the thing I wanted to mention was um, Alan Bishop did a, I'm on the Street Tree Committee. He did a new map we asked him to do, which was uh, a layered map that I think anybody in the town can look up on the town website. This was only a couple of weeks ago, and I wanted to say that um, it should be up and running, and you can go to this map, and you can find out um, uh, if you live on Historic or a Scenic Road, which has special considerations. You can find out what is the setback for your personal property. Because um, we have a lot of people that don't know where their boundaries are, and um, and they're different. They 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 mm. can range from a few feet from the road to uh, the deepest one I know is 27 feet back, and mm -hmm. a, a developer clear cut like dozens of trees. And he said, "Well, I thought I owned to the stone wall. Mm -hmm. I only own half of my front yard actually, 
because I have a 30 foot to the street and I think the town owns 15 feet of it. So it, these setbacks mm -hmm. can be considerable. And one thing that the Street Street Commission, or committee that I'm involved with, is very concerned about is people cutting down trees on town land because they think they own the land. And we just raised almost $100,000 to plant new town trees. And we don't want people accidentally cutting down old town trees without mm -hmm. knowing better because they should come before the planning board if they want to do that. Um, and so that's what I wanted to say. And also, uh, if you want to ask the town to plant your tree, because we are planting all these great trees, you can go to the DPW, um, the DPW, uh, what's, um, um, uh, uh, website for the town and put in a request with your address. Thank you. Excellent. Before you Thank go, you. Yes, yes. Um, the, do you know if the map that you're referring to is the GIS online mapper that I'm familiar with? Have they added layers to that yes, now? Yes, okay. and they also put in the setbacks. The setbacks okay. are kind of there. But he did it so that he put it all on one, one map so you can flip layers. Yeah, yeah so, so it's, it's, it's actually not on the main mapper. Oh, um, okay. I, I, ha I have a link. I, I'll have to figure out where on the site it is and how to get to it. Um, but I, I'm looking at it, and, and, and Carol's seen it. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily live just yet, but okay. um, we can make sure that that's clear on the engineering site, um, you know, how to get to it. That's and really that great. Wonderful yeah. Because great. it's so brand new. And, um, Alan Bishop's amazing. He's, he's really, amazing. we're really very lucky to have him. Appreciation yeah. Yes. Okay. That's Good. great information. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. My, uh, <laughs> my Eagle Scout project when I was a young man was to do a tree inventory um, in oh, Bay, New Jersey. So I'm, you appreciate this. I'm yeah. looking at this map. That would be great, and a great, you know, Milton Times article on this on the scenic roadways. It's really been a challenge for our town and for people to be able to identify where their property ends and and um, where the where the town. Yeah, so we'll, we'll make sure begins, that we so. know where that is yep. and how to Too get to it. Too many trees and stone walls have been lost, unfortunately. So thank you. Okay. Um, anyone else? And I don't know if I'll, we'll be able to see um, if anyone from the public on Zoom wants to speak. Yeah, if there's anyone on the Zoom that wants anybody to speak, sees a hand, um, you can use the raise hand that. function. I think they can, I think, because I'm not on the Zoom here, right? So, and we may not have anybody, but. I'm not seeing anybody. There are no hands raised. Okay, great. Thank you. Keep an eye open for us, Josh. That's great. Um, so moving forward, we can, um, if Ned Corcoran is, um, is on Zoom, um, we can open our public hearing at uh, 1200 Brush Hill Road, the scenic road permit, speaking of, uh, continued from January 12th. And there's Ned, we can welcome. Thank you, uh, and I'm, so, I'm sorry, I was really hoping to be there live, uh, but we had a sudden issue with gas coming, gas coming in from the street to the house and got a technician coming to check it out. So, um, That's anyway, all right. um, I, thank you uh, again. This is a continuation of a hearing from last month regarding um, scenic uh, bylaw and property at 1200 uh, Brush Hill Road. It's the Brush Hill Care Center next to Flatley Field. Uh, I can share a screen and show that would be um, great. a couple of issues, if I may. A couple, a couple of items. The first 
if you recall, is um, the, the, the plan that we showed um, with, the, with Brush Hill Road, this is the main entrance into the care center, and the property line that comes this way. Um, there were two trees that were removed on town property at this location, and if I shift to the next sheet, there were two other trees that were removed over at the portion of the property closest to um, Fuller Village. One of these trees here and the other two trees are within the jurisdiction of the town because they're within the town's right of way. This tree and this tree are also subject to jurisdiction of the Conservation Commission because they were within 100 feet of the wetland uh, down here. Uh, or this this is the edge of wetland here. So um, we, since we were before you last month, we've been to the Conservation Commission and have an agreement with the Con Conservation Commission on how to replace these two trees. Um, and they are, the agreement, the agreement is consistent with the agreement that was reached with the Shade Tree Advisory Committee that we represented uh, last month. Although I do note uh, an email from Carol Stalker that the Shade Tree Advisory Committee met again um, and did a, 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 a simple revision to their uh, recommendation. Uh, it's a little bit different than what um, I understood the tree warden to have um, pursued, but it's my understanding that when I left the Shade Tree Advisory Committee meeting in December, that we were going to replace the three trees within the town's right-of-way at three-inch caliper, um, and there would be three yellow woods, four white oaks, and four, excuse me, four yellow woods, four white oaks, and four tulips. And then the fourth tree was a, was a species to be determined later. Um, subsequent to that, uh, uh, the tree warden, Branch Lane, suggested that, the, that those trees should be two inches and rather than three inches because they might have a better chance of survival. Um, the Conservation Commission um, suggested that um, they, they could be either three inches or an additional tree in each case uh, to make up for the difference in the, in the width of the trees that were removed. We're fine with three inch trees. It appears that the Shade Tree Advisory Committee went back and reevaluated that and suggests uh, three inch trees. And it appears that they also suggest that the, that, that fourth tree to be determined would now be swamp, um, white swamp oaks. And we're certainly uh, comfortable with that. There was also a recommendation made that there would be a $2,100 bond posted to assure their survival. So it's really, um, the, the issue of two inches versus three inches, I think, is sort of moot, given the fact that there would be a bond to assure survival and we'd be obligated to make sure that any tree that didn't survive would be replaced. And that there was a specific maintenance regimen that was also required um, that would have each tree enveloped in one of these, I think it's an alligator bag, something where you pour water into it uh, regularly and that, that they would be a maintenance feature associated with that. Um, we're comfortable with that. Um, so assuming that the, 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 the board is comfortable with that, we'd, we'd, we'd certainly agree to uh, an order that would require 
four, uh, each tree would be replaced with four three-inch trees um, located inbound of the wall on our property such that they would have a better chance of survival than if they were placed within the very narrow right-of-way between the wall and the street um, and that we would pursue, perform the maintenance as required. So with respect to the trees, I'd pause there and, and see if there's any other questions or comments that uh, any members of the board or the public would have. Thank you, Ned. Um, the, Carol, did you want to add something to that before? Uh, uh, yeah, Sorry. So I, that. I, I agree with everything that Ned said. Carol Stalker and I was with the Streets Advisory Committee, and we did have a meeting. We did take this up again at the um, January 12th meeting and um, uh, just refined it because Ned had sent a letter that said there was a fourth tree that wasn't determined what it was, so we wanted to suggest the uh, um, swamp white oak, which is a different tree than the white oak. So there's a four white oak and four white swamp oaks. And just give him some guidance there because of mm -hmm. the, these are all native trees and the white swamp oak is very good at flooding and drought and that is an area where they get both those situations. And um, we're all agreed on the, the three inches and, and the number of trees and you know, the placement mm -hmm. of the trees. Uh, another fine point that we wanted to make was that the trees not um, be interplanted, interspersed, so you don't have, for instance, tulip, 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 tulip tree and oak, 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 oak. And this is because they're different shapes. So the tulip trees are narrow, the oaks are wide. So the oaks might run out of room if you put them all next to each other. And it would look more natural if you interspersed um, and also, you know, kind of zigzag. Don't put them in a straight line if you can avoid it. And if you need more space, um, you could plant, I believe, and, and, uh, you. We go on the assumption when we're planting trees that with the owner's permission, we can plant 20 feet inside the boundary. In other words, go into the owner's land 20 feet and it's still considered a town tree. So you don't have to leave it just along the street. Um, and I think that's everything I wanted to say. Thank you. But I want to make sure that so um, to communicate with Ned as well as the board on this. That's great. So Ned, is that clear? Is that your understanding? Is Yes. That's what you're stating. Okay, great. Um, okay, just members of the board, um, if anyone wanted to comment, Cheryl, did you have anything? No, it, um, it sounds fine to me. Okay. Um, Rich, did you have anything you wanted to add? Nope. Okay. Maggie? Uh, no, that, that was my question, was just um, how from, from December to the memo the other day that the seat, the size changed, but it went back to three inches, so that's great. And I just wanted um, to confirm that um, the trees will be cared for, you know, for not a certain amount of time. Like I know, um, you know, people are always um, careful to um, water for the first three years, but say in 10 years time, if a tree dies, do they, automatically have to replace it with another one is that part of their their plan so they'll they'll monitor it and if something dies then it will just be replaced i don't know. I, we, I would expect so i mean it's hard to monitor that from a regulatory perspective 
Um, there is a bond that will be required for two years to assure two years of growth, uh, at the end of which if the trees have survived, they'd be entitled to be, the bond to be re, re, re reimbursed. Um, but beyond that, it's awfully difficult to think that you could go long period out in the future, um, you know, other than you would pursue routine maintenance and, you know, if you're trying to make sure that the, that the property looks good, presents itself well, you'd certainly have, a, have a, an interest in making sure that the trees survive. Yes, thanks. And Carol, yes, you'd Carol's want to. Doctor, again, add two points, one big and one small. And um, the small point is, you know these alligator bags that you see around town and that Ned is um, guaranteeing for these planted trees, they don't do well in the winter. So we're asking them to water, and anybody who's watching who's a homeowner should know this too. We're, we're asking them to, to water once a week you put a hose in the bag. There's a there's a video that Christine Paxson did about it uh, for it on the town cable news. Um, that you water June, July, August, September. Then you take the bag off. You don't leave it on over the winter um, because it's not going to work next spring if it spends the winter on the tree. So you have to either replace it or take it off and store it over the winter. And I just want to make sure that that Ned and, and the people at uh, 1200 Brush Hill Road know that. And also people who have town trees, because when you see these things that are left on over the winter, they look pretty mm -hmm. bad. They're not gonna hold any water next year. So zip That's them off stuff. and put them, throw them in the basement. And the second thing is I really wish the bond could be for three years. When we did this uh, um, at another area, the bond was for three years. And at the end of three years, those trees looked really good and you knew they were gonna live, but I'm not thinking two years is, is enough. So I would be in favor of three years and I just raised that. Um, especially Thank given you. the wacky weather we're having. Um, Thank you. Ned, do you think your would your client be amenable to a three-year bond versus the two-year? I think it'd be fine. I think it was, you know, Branch Lane was the one who suggested two years. Okay. Um, but, you know, if the board thinks three years would be significant, I think we can live with that. All right, that would be great. Okay. All right, so is there a, um, can we entertain so a motion? If I, yeah, do if you want to? may, um, there's a second portion to this. Yep. Um, I'll stop share and then reshare. Um, and that deals with the wall. Great. So you want a motion together. Okay. That's great. Right. Um, <clears throat> so yesterday I sent some two sets of images. Um, one was wall at Fuller Village just up the street. Um, I sent it after I had sent, I'm gonna find it. Um, let's see. If I do that, can you see that? Mm -hmm. Okay, this was, at your suggestion, um, at the last meeting, um, you suggested we look at the Walcott Woods wall. And this is Walcott Woods. It's a photograph that I took and I just overlaid Brush Hill Care Center. Um, 
I sent that to the client to review. I hadn't heard back from them until late yesterday. In the meantime, I forwarded this to Tim, and then I got this other uh, approach, which is the Fuller Village approach, which they really like a lot more than the other. And so um, the question I think is for the board, is there a, is there a preference? I mean, this is a handsome wall. It's a little more ornate than what was done for Walcott Woods, but not substantially. And uh, it's, it's one that the client would really like to pursue if that would be um, acceptable to the board. Um, I open it up to, for discussion to the board members. Um, if there's anybody who would like to speak to this. Yeah, okay. Meredith, if you don't mind. Yep, go ahead. Um, so I do think that both samples of the walls are very impressive. And, um, uh, and, and, and I think they're, um, um, you know, they're, they're very expensive to build. But to be honest with you, personally, I think I would like to see the walls reflect the history of Russell Road and our other scenic roads. I feel like the walls that are being built today, even though they're really, really attractive, like this, this picture of the wall right here is very attractive, but I think it's not reminiscent of um, the historic walls that are on our scenic um, ways already. I would like to see more of a natural um, mortarless wall that's built with local stone and that reflects, um, you know, the our cultural heritage of our areas. Um, so I think I would like to be a little bit more simple um, and a little bit more natural looking and, um, and, and that would just tie in with the rest of um, Brushell Road and the rest of Cannab and Hillside Street. Um, I think we just really do need to protect um, the, the look of our town and I think it's special to see these um, rambling mortarless walls. So I'm wondering if they would be amenable to, to building something like that. I know what their pre clear preference would be. Mm -hmm. It would be something closer to what they've shown, but mm -hmm. I can t I can I can run that one up their flagpole. Gerald, did you? Have yeah, I, I I think yeah. um, I had some photographs I think that were provided to us when this first came before mm -hmm. us, and it does show the wall as Maggie describes. And I guess what I'd be interested in is understanding how this proposed wall would interface with the existing wall that's still there um, and whether they would be compatible or not. So, um, and the other thing is I really um, am a little uncomfortable with the juxtaposition of this sign on the wall. It's like they, I think they could be separate rather than um, if it's this kind of sign because you have a curved wall and a rectilinear sign that has some depth to it. And so it just doesn't seem um, uh, as if they're in sync together, if you will. I think that sign is in front of the wall. Okay. All right. Well, there's not much distance in between it if I'm looking at the, the plant no, materials. No, yeah. probably very close. Yeah. And whereas the old sign was behind the wall and taller, um, 
So that I think it kind of goes hand in hand with the idea of the wall being a little bit more rustic. I don't know if Maggie used that word, but it's it, it's kind of less formalized. Um, I understand the uh, maintenance aspects of the wall. Um, but the other thing about the wall that was there or that is there is it's more rounded stones versus a flat cut stone. So this is almost uh, as if um, you, you have a very flat surface on the vertical here. So it would be good to understand how this would look with the wall that's there on Brush Hill Road. Yeah, I, I, I don't have any images to share at the moment that there's, the, the walls that are left are very low along the edge of, of Brush Hill Road. They, they, they sort of rose up. To, there was a section of wall that was taller and that was uh, followed the direct curve of the, of the turn in and out, it was, which created a very narrow opening into the site. And one of the issues that was happening is it was getting damaged by snow plows that were just didn't have any room to do anything. Um, and I know that once you get around that wall opening into the site, it really drops off to uh, a, wall, a loose stones that are about a, uh, maybe a foot high. Um, they're not really in a wall at all. It's just sort of a old stones along the edge of the right of way. Um, so they are proposing that something obviously that's different and it, it wouldn't necessarily blend to what's there. It would just sort of come to a point and then disappear. Um, and I think, I think that the guidance that I think I'm looking for here is the nature of the wall, something that's more ornate like this or less, it sounds like the preference is for something that's closer to Walcott Woods, maybe without mortar, maybe utilizing as much of the existing, uh, the old stone as possible, because um, most of it's there. Um, and then fill in filling with whatever else is, is appropriate. Um, perhaps with some mortar inside that would hold it together, um, but not necessarily um, being as is uh, is obvious here. I do like the f the flat simple cap on the pier. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. I think that's appropriate. Yeah, and it's just if you look, you know, hit now, it, it's a little bit unfortunate. It's one of our scenic ways and I know that um you know, if a wall is not existing and someone builds a new wall, they can sort of build the style in which, you know, they want. And if you go up and down Canton Ave from start to finish, you see many, many different styles. And unfortunately, a new one was, was built just recently that is just not in keeping with the, the history of our streets. And, and I think they're just, these walls are just overbuilt. And I think um, using you know, to Ned's point, the stones that are there and infilling. Um, and I think, you know, the simpler, the better. Um, and I think you don't have to drive too far to, you know, understand um, what, what I'm kind of looking at. And I just don't want to see all these different styles of walls, especially on our historic um, streets. And I think one of the issues associated with that, Maggie, is that some walls are on town right-of-way and some walls are on private property. If they're not within the right-of-way, then people can build whatever they want. 
because it's not subject to the town's jurisdiction. This wall was in was within the right of way, therefore it's subject to mm -hmm. oversight as to how it gets replaced. Now, do you, do you mind stopping share? Because I've sure. got the I've got the Google Street View up of the the previous yeah. condition, just so we can see kind of what was there previously, which I think is a kind of I'm, I'm not going to say compromised position, but it's sort of a little bit in between what's being shown and kind of what Maggie's talking about. So, you know, still definitely more you know, built up than, than the surrounding wall, but maybe not as tall, maybe not as sort of monumental. And I'm just going to go down the street just a little bit to illustrate what you were saying earlier about, you know, the condition of the wall. You know, you can start to see kind of more of a pile than a wall, um, and then it becomes a kind of more, you know, formally built structure over there. Which is all the more reason to have it less formal yeah. at the curve, yeah. at the entrance. <laughs> And I don't know if you guys were familiar, but like last year at Milton Cemetery, um, you know, we we're fortunate that, um, you know, Lisa Hearn at the cemetery took on a, a restoration of um, the walls there. And it was put on by, um, or hosted by, um, you know, Mike Capillo, who lives in town here. And he's a member of like the Stone Trust. And, and it's, a fine art um, and um, to make walls look natural and less stylized. Um, so I think um, we're kind of losing some of our charm on our street. So again, in front of my house, I have a similar wall that I probably should rebuild because my wall kind of looks like that now. And one of these days I will, but I think um, I think it just needs to be repaired, and it, I don't think it's going to cost any more than what he is the applicant might experience if he builds a more formal wall. To be clear, though, Maggie, they're going to uh, change the location of the wall so that it's not subject to the as much damage. Uh, so they're going to open that up a bit. Um, so they are going to rebuild it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're probably going to, the, the property line where you see that grove of little gro group of trees there, a couple of those trees were what were removed. Um, the, the wall will probably go inbound of that, which is still within the town's right-of-way, um, but would, would be away from the effects of tra traffic turning in and out. Did you locate the proposed location on a plan? I think that would be helpful. And the radius? And the radius? Yep. And Rich, did you have any comments on this that you'd like to add <clears throat> that we can no. hear from the public? Nope. Um, I don't want to repeat, so nope, we're good. Okay. So I would, I would agree, I think, with um, Ned, sort of what your ladder and what, you know, Cheryl and Maggie were alluding to is. Um, a mortarless wall. I, you know, I think that it is that there is um, there's some consistency with the rest of the existing wall. That it um, we try to look as uniform, build it up, but um, mortarless if possible. Um, and then we do like the. I think the the cap um, is is nice to so it does give a finished look to the entryway. Um, so when you I say. The cap, you mean the cap that's similar to what's at Walcott? At Fuller. 
or it will cut also just a just a plain which is what I, I also had a question ned do you know if they intend to um a have an additional sign um if they did do something with a walcott type cap where they engraved it in the stone would they necessarily need another sign in addition or would that be sufficient um to keep sort of the the historical context and i guess the other question is do they um they're not looking to do any lighting lanterns necessarily i don't think so caps? i mean the the, the walcott image does have light yeah. on each of the caps um looking at the um google earth view from these photographs which i think is probably the mm -hmm. same that tim just had up they have a flat cap and then they do have a, a light on top of them so it would be good to confirm whether they they need the light there yeah. and um i would um if you're going that's why a plan is important to see where this new wall is going so that we can look at where it makes sense to have the sign in relationship so if there's room to have the sign uh, on the drive side instead of on the opposite side but if it mm -hmm. since it's curving i think um it would be best not on the wall and i wonder from their perspective walcott woods you know people are going to know that that's where they live and where they're going whereas here it might be people who are unfamiliar with where they're going so they need to be able to see the sign probably so it would be good to understand what size sign they think they need for the facility yeah we have a separate process going with the board of appeals dealing with a sign on the building Mm -hmm. um, that's visible, uh, it's, it's large enough and visible from the street um, so people can see it. And there's, there's an existing sign there. I'm not sure, uh, you know, that one's there. I don't think they have any desire to change it. So okay. um, I, anyway, I, th I, I think they liked the notion of the sign on the wall. There's a, you know, there's an ornamental component to that that they seem to like, but I understand, but I, but I'm hearing pretty loud and clear that that's 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 not consistent with a vision for um, you know what the wall on, on uh, Russell well, Road should look like. Yeah, I think if you make it lower, you're going to have a hard time fitting a sign that you're going to see if there's any snow on the ground. So I think you got to think about those together: the sign yeah. and the lower wall and the style of the wall. Okay. Um, well, this is helpful. Is that helpful? Um, and is there anyone from the public, too, who has a question for Ned? Um, are there any hands or anyone who would like to comment? Yes? Uh, we have. Yes, please. Oh, okay. Carol, and just. Um, you welcome. Know, you know, Ned, one of the things that is just coming up more and more is light pollution. And um, this is a, adjacent to a natural area. And I was just driving over there, and boy, that place is, that parking lot is lit up by like a Walmarts. It's got these high, 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 you know, lights, and they're very, very bright. It reminds me of when they put those blaster lights on the entrance to the Pulte development, which was, again, a nice natural area with wildlife, and then suddenly these blazing lights. And it just has a bad effect on the, um, um, on the, on the, uh, well, we have great horned owls. They can't breathe. They can't live their lives if they're in a parking lot that's illuminated. They need darkness. Everything has its diurnal rhythm. 
There's the daytime animals and the nighttime animals. And you blast the heck out of these nighttime animals with a lot of light pollution. And there is a lot of light that's on that property already. And I would just, you know, the only control the town has is just to make us stop and think about adding even more light, especially light that is not focused, but is just going in all directions. Mm -hmm. along that edge of the town land because, you know, there was a fissure right where you're talking about putting those lights. There was a fissure there, and it was dead because it was run over. That's why I saw it. But, I mean, that's the kind of wildlife you have living there. These are, these are high on the food chain animals, and they're trying to, uh, you know, make, make Milton a uh, more interesting area. I like having those, those types of thank animals you. around. Yeah. So, well, thank you. That's... We can share that with the, the owner. Um, those may have been pre-existing lights before they even acquired it, I'm not sure, but um, did, was there anyone from the public who wanted to speak on the stone wall or the trees? Seeing any? I'm not seeing anybody. Okay. So Ned, is that, if that's helpful, um, we can continue this until we can maybe develop a, a little bit more of a... Yeah, that, that is, if you could continue to the next, your next meeting. The 23rd. Um, Good. And I hopefully have a simple plan. That's great. Taking what I learned tonight, um, it, it sounds like we're we're there on the what's necessary with respect to the trees. Yep. Um, I can start I can start to work on a simple draft of a decision that could be um, they'll that have be available great. for your review at a next meeting. That would be great. We Thank can you. continue that to seven oh five. We'll continue it to seven oh five on is it the February twenty third date. Oh, good for you, Ned. That's, like that's fine, that and if motion. for some reason it's not, I'll just ask for continuing. I don't think right. we need to motion. For we don't that. need a motion, okay. All right. Okay. Great. We'll Thank see you, you on all. the 23rd. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> okay. Would we be able to bump the A&R up? I think that'll... I was think yeah, I was concerned that they might, yeah, so we can spend more time. That'll take Is like it? five minutes. Yeah, we have a very quick A&R. Is that okay if we move that ahead? And then we'll move through um, quickly. And you got plenty Thank of you. elbow room at the end of the meeting. It's I all know. yours. All right. Thank you. Yes. It, all right. Then let's, um, let's bring our um, 400 Adams Street approval not required plan. Um, oh. Our attorney might have just stepped Maybe out of the like room. It just like popped out. So I can, I, can, I can, bring I can, it up. That's I can I, speak to this just briefly okay. and we can um, stall for just a little bit. Um, so 400 Adams Street is, is a, a little bit on the East Milton side of town, um, right sort of near the base of, of Cary Ave and Pillin Road, Pylon Road? Yep. I forget Pilon. which, whatever. Um, <laughs> so I'm just going to bring this up um, on the screen share for just a minute. Um, sorry. Can everyone see that? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to zoom in real quick. Um, once the applicant gets back in, they can explain it a little bit better. But um, 400 um, Adam Street has a, this, um, this is all one lot right now. Um, there's a garage kind of on this uh, area. And basically all we're talking about is um, moving the lot line uh, so that 392 in, in, in the back will now get this lot B. Mm -hmm. And then lot A will just be straight across like this. So um, not creating any more buildable lots, not doing anything um, besides just moving the lot line to uh, enable uh, the rear neighbor to, to take this little Acquired lot B. Garage. 
Okay. Okay. Um, should, should we step out? Just to, do you want to just take a quick? Yeah, let me take a quick look. On the phone and, um, I don't know if any board members um, had a chance to look at this and any questions that I have one for Tim when he comes back. Okay. I think I hear somebody on the phone. He might be outside. Good. Life moves fast. And I know. Work. That's all right. We'll keep it going. <sighs> uh, Cheryl had a question for you, Tim, yes. on this. So, Tim, normally I think on the plan it says lot B is not a buildable lot somehow. The words being, I don't know if those are the exact words, but in the past I, I know there was a specific notation that it would not be a buildable lot and it's created. Um, we, uh, sometimes we do that. Okay. Sometimes we don't. Um, I, you know, I, I don't think there's any harm in, in adding that notation. Um, okay. I think, I mean, it's, Welcome. it's pretty clear that it's not buildable, but, um, right. but I, so I did a quick, you, you might want to grab, grab the mic over there. I did just a quick, uh, rundown, but maybe if you want to just, uh, introduce your, yes, your client and, and the project and you should speak to the mic over there. You can three from the and he bought this, he, he does small construction company and he renovates homes and he bought this from a bank it had been pretty dilapidated, mm -hmm. you know where it was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's now in the process of redoing it and this neighbor approached him and the lots are, you know, it, it's limited access and the lots are oddly shaped mm -hmm. and there was a dilapidated garage there and he was willing to sell him off the garage and let him square off the lot. So, you know, that's, that's why it, it's going to be, it's only 535 square feet. It doesn't require any access or utilities. And so we thought it was appropriate for an A and R. Tim looked at it. I, I think the only, um, well, I mean, so do you, you have a Mylar printed out? Yes. Um, how important is this to you? <laughs> the, the, the one comment that we had was, um, you know, if, if we would want to just put a notation that says that lot B is not a buildable lot. Yes, um, actually, that is on here. Oh, is it? Uh -huh. uh, Thank you. <laughs> I didn't see it. You just pointed out where it is for me. No, the purpose of the tenant plot is to convey a merge lot B, not a buildable lot. Into Thank the you. Okay. Perfect. There we go. Perfect. Thank you. Yep, so we're all set. That's yeah. perfect. Now, uh, it's a hybrid meeting, so I'm not going to get everybody to sign today, so I'll leave the mile they, they can they, they can authorize me to sign on their oh, behalf, okay. and okay. it'll just take two minutes, and we can get okay. you out of here into the registry. Do you want any extra of these plans? No. Okay. I don't. Uh, this is where we I mean, need to change them and we'll those rules them, and regs. <laughs> I'll give you one extra. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be, that'll be fine. Mylar, I'm going to have to yep. but, uh, Yeah. That's great. Um, so I'm glad you're doing these hybrid meetings. <laughs> yeah, I know this, it's good. This is your first public meeting since it, it, we're back in person. It's our yeah. first hybrid meeting. Hybrid like too. Yeah, so we're, we're getting used to it. Yeah, I'm the chairman of the Quincy Conservation Commission, and we we started oh. a little while ago, but we didn't do the hybrid meetings. So I think that's a good yeah, idea. It's a nice way. Yeah. It is. For well, um, I would entertain a motion. Okay, yes. so I'll make a motion uh, to authorize um, our director of planning and community development to endorse this plan as not requiring subdivision approval. Thank you. Is there a second? I can second. Thank you. And then we'll do a roll call because we are hybrid. So Cheryl? Yes. Maggie? 
Yes. Rich? Yes. And myself, yes. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very thank much. you. Appreciate that. She's out of your way. And thank you, thank you for coming. For waiting. And thank you for, yes, and thank you for waiting. Good evening, thank you. Okay, so we can now move to our next item. We can open our public hearing for 440 Granite Avenue site plan approval. Welcome and nice to see you in person. Yeah. <clears throat> sure, we're plenty of seats, so whatever is. Move the microphones, I think. Yeah. Thank you very much. If you need another additional microphone. Yep. Ever is more comfortable. Good evening. Good to see you. Good to see you. Nice to see you. Nice to be in person. Much better to be together. I, I don't know. There you go. <laughs> Hello, Marion and Michael. Good evening and welcome. Go right ahead. Would you like me to just? Yes, please feel free to go, go right ahead. So the purpose of this meeting tonight is to open a hearing on a site plan application for 440 Granite Avenue. Um, this is a new application. Some members of the planning board did sit through an application process last year, which we did not complete, um, but it was for a somewhat different design. So we're here tonight with a new application. I'm Marion McKetrick. I'm the attorney representing the applicant. Michael Moore is here tonight of or uh, from Oren Moore Enterprises, LLC. Um, I think Patrick Costello may be on Zoom also. Um, Michael Moore is a Milton resident. And he is the developer of 36 Central Avenue, a mixed-used development in Milton uh, that's been in existence for a number of years. Um, Ellen Anceloni is here tonight, and as well as Tony Shao. The, they are our architects from the architectural firm Feingold and Alexander. And on Zoom tonight is Vina Calicari. Not sure is that correct pronunciation, Vina. Um, he's the senior project manager of Vanessa Hagen Bruslin, VHB. That's the firm that prepared the traffic analysis for this proposal. Um, you can, if you can allow him to share, not, not share screen, but be a participant. I'm not sure how you do that. He's up there. Um, he's available to answer questions. We don't expect to do a full traffic analysis tonight, um, but we did think that questions might come up and we wanted to ask him to be here just in case. So um, this is an application tonight for a four-story mixed-use building. It's located at the corner of Mechanic Street and Granite Avenue in East Milton. It's in the business district. Um, we did present a larger version of this building last year, for, and we had quite a few hearings. Um, that was for a five-story building with 34 units. This building has 26 residential units, one commercial unit, 1,500 square feet, as opposed to last year's proposal, which was three commercial units with 4,100 square feet. So the the building is shorter, the building is, it looks smaller, um, and it has fewer residential units, and it has a much smaller commercial space. Um, and the reason for these changes, 
We got a lot of feedback, including from the planning board. We didn't reach a conclusion as to acceptance of the prior proposal. We were unable to schedule a meeting with the Board of Appeals. This, both projects require zoning relief, and uh, site plan approval requires that you have the zoning relief before you go to the planning board, or at least that you be working in sync on the two things. So we just gave up at that point, um, waited a few a number of months until finally we were able to get a hearing, a first hearing with the Board of Appeals in November. Um, and right away at that at the next hearing with the Board of Appeals, we presented this smaller plan. And um, we have now scheduled our next hearing for March 15th, but we would like to have substantial input from about site plan approval first. So it is possible to continue that process because you often have a change in the composition of your board when we have a town election. It's really important to try to get through site plan review now and before the election if we can. I'm hoping. We'll do our best. I, I know the planning board is busy, so. But it, um, so um, we've, um, let's see. That's a quick review of what the, what the application is all about. We have added um, quite a bit, some additional information this year that you'll want to review. Um, one piece of information is that we have a parking demand management plan. This was requested by the Board of Appeals. This is a draft, so I'd like you mm -hmm. to review it, um, take some time to read it through, see what you think, if you have some other ideas about what could be put in such a plan. The idea, we have two sort of conflicting issues with a development like this. One is we don't want to bring more traffic to the square any more than we have to. And the other is that we want to provide enough parking so that we're not putting traffic on the street when it could be parked off the street. So the Board of Appeals, you know, position, at least from one member, was I don't want you to overpark this because we don't want to bring more cars in than we have to. We want to encourage people to use fewer cars, basically. That was, that was one position, and that's why they wanted to see this um, parking demand management plan. Uh, but on the other hand, we did hear a lot about concerns about cars being on the street rather than, you know, on the lot. That was a big issue for the amount of commercial space, much as we would like to have created more. Um, what we are creating now is about approximately similar to what's there. So you have two commercial units on this site. They are approximately 1,500 square feet of commercial space, and that's what we're putting in. But there will be new, of course, upgraded commercial space. I think that's important in terms of understanding impact of this project on the um, on East Village Square. There isn't. There are a number of materials we're submitting this year that some members of the board saw last year, and this is why they're the same. The engineering plans are the same, although I've gone through them and checked them and added some material that you know I noticed wasn't missing a plan here and there and that kind of thing. Um, the traffic study is completed and was completed for the larger project. This is a smaller project. So you could infer from that, well, a smaller project is going to have less impact. And the conclusion from the previous year's study was that it was going to be a relatively small impact. However, we did ask the traffic engineer to go back and redo his, his study, his statistics. And we do have updated figures for the traffic report that are November 19, uh, 2022. Um, as far as construction management plan goes, the stormwater management plan um, and the operation, the long-term operations um, plan 
Those are the same, and the reason is that the footprint of the building on the bottom is the same. So even though the building's shorter, water's still going to hit the building and come off it in the same way. So the drainage plan that, that was revised according to what the town wanted us to do, that remains the same as it was last year. So you're seeing a plan that will have a date from last year. It's not inappropriate, it's not out of date, because the footprint and the drainage um, on this site will remain the same. The amount of pavement on the site will remain the same. However, the town required that we make the pavement pervious rather than impervious. So plans have been updated and they were updated last year to show that pervious pavement and I've made sure that those, that, that plan is up to date and is in the materials that are on the town's website. Um, so, um, just so it's, you know, to, to reduce confusion, Everyone needs to understand that you'll look at the materials that have been submitted this year and you'll say, oh, you know, those, I, some of those I looked at already or there's an awful lot of material here. The engineering plans and the traffic plans have both been peer reviewed and for a larger project and, and determined after any changes that were requested that the impact would be very manageable from this project. And we'll go into more detail about that and explain it in, uh, in a, probably in the next meeting, we hope. Um, but I, there, I, don't, I want you to understand why it is that some of the materials will look the same as last year. So this evening, we want to explain the architectural site plan. Um, everybody in the planning board has a hard copy with a big copy of the plan. We have it um, on visual um, tonight, and I think Tim Trewinski is going to take us through the pages. Tony Shaw will explain the site plan page by page. So we're going to go into that and spend as much time as we need to going through that. We expect it will take a while. If you need to interrupt us to ask questions, we're perfectly all right with that, whatever way you want to proceed. I know at the end you'll have questions and comments from the public too. So um, if it's okay with you, I'd like to turn it over now to Tony. Yes, please. And go through this plan. Thanks, and thank you all very much. I uh, appreciate being in person again, and it's nice to do this, uh, to see you directly. So I'm going to try to go through this in a fairly um, clear but hopefully uh, focused way. Um, so I think, as Meredith said, is the biggest change that we are going to be showing tonight is a re redesign of, the, of this proposal um, as a four-story option. So let's advance to the next slides. Excuse me. And I think this is very quickly going to recap. Of course, this is the site that you know. It's 440 Granite Avenue, bordered by Granite Avenue and Mechanic Street um, in this particular location. Next. <clears throat> so I'm sorry, Tony, but if you don't mind going back one more, Tim, because there might be people watching who are unfamiliar, because I've, sure. I've had a few people say, where okay. is that again? Okay. So if you could just point out the existing yep. businesses that are, that are there so people can orient themselves. I can go through some Yeah, because Marion might sure. be better, yeah. I mean, how do you want me to do, you don't want me to go you up and point? Just point, just Tim can point. You can just say, like, right. the florist shop, the so kitchen shop. The corner, you'll see, um, you're familiar with a florist <laughs> shop that's there now, and attached to it, there's a house. So it's a real mixed use. We already have some mixed use in the open. Um, on the right-hand corner, um, there is a, there's a commercial building, and it houses a kitchen renovation now. However, many of us in Milton, uh, we call that Dave's Bike Shop, right? Because for years it was a great bike shop mm -hmm. and a busy site, and it, he managed. He didn't make a fortune running it there, and he finally retired. Um, but it was a small business that did okay on that location. Um, behind the um, commercial building, there's a residential building, 
it doesn't look old at all, but it's actually a, quite an old building, and it's one of the buildings we had to ask the Historical Commission about when we were talking about taking these buildings down, because these buildings will be removed if this development is constructed. And then behind those two residential buildings, there is another two-family residential building in that corner, and that's one of the oldest. That, that building was built in the 1800s. It's always been a rental property since about 1860, when the initial owner, unfortunately, had his, he lost the house, it was foreclosed, something like that. Um, and a resident of Milton who lived on Brush Hill Road bought the property um, and also owned the, the front property where the florist shop is and just um, leased these properties for years and years. And in 1916, I'm not sure why he did this, he gave the property to the town. And the town promptly went to town meeting and authorized the sale, and it went back into private. Account. So all of these properties have been used for small businesses. Um, at one time, there were blacksmith shops here. These shops originally served the Granite Railway and then even the regular railway that used to run along where the expressway is now. So those are the existing buildings, and I think from that description. And then just quickly, that's Citizens Bank on the left, right? That's Citizens Bank on the left. And the Southeast Expressway on the bottom. Yes. Okay, just and for orientation. Yeah, and Mechanic Street. Yeah. I can't understand yeah. that, but I don't think I've ever been there when there weren't cars. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. That's my interest. Yeah, thank you for interrupting. Sorry for interrupting. No, of course. Um, so I'm just going to state some of the facts about the project. So the parcel is 20,212 square feet. Um, and what is being proposed of a total residential retail and support is 46,826 gross square feet. And also within that, there's parking of 9,260 square feet for a total project gross square feet of 56,086 square feet. The height of the proposed project above grade is 53 feet 2 inches, which we'll get into in a little bit more detail. And the breakdown of the residential component is 26 units in total, of which 24 are two bedroom units, two are one bedroom units, and within that 26 total unit count, three of them are affordable. Uh, the project proposed commercial uh, is one unit of 1,500 square feet in this, in this design. With respect to the parking itself, so we have uh, what we call a stacker automated system comprised of 38 spaces within that stacker, which is dedicated to the residential use. There's also a garage residential loading area, which is limited 20 minutes within the garage as well. Um, there are two handicap accessible spaces, therefore the total of 41 interior parking spaces within the proposed development. Uh, outside the uh, uh, building, there are six commercial spaces which are available from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. during the day. And then in the evening, they become available as visitor spaces from 6 p.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning, off of Mechanic Street. Therefore, the total parking count when you add both the internal 41 spaces and the six surface spaces is 47 spots. Um, therefore, in the other calculation on the residential parking ratio, during the daytime, 41 spaces for 26 units is a 1.57 parking to unit ratio. And at the nighttime, when you add back in those six spaces bringing the total up to 47, that increases the ratio to 1.8 parking to unit. In addition to that, we also have area for delivery for the building, which has three proposed loading, pickup, and drop-off spaces uh, on and off Granite Street, which we'll see again in the site plan. 
And then finally, on the bike storage component, uh, we have 10 bike storage uh, areas within the first floor and then additional 30 bike storage areas in the basement for a total of 40 bike storage spots in the development. Um, if there's no questions on this, I'll keep going. Okay. So this site plan simply illustrates the current condition that we just went through that Marin presented and the areas outlined in red are the existing buildings which are to be demolished and the site which is in yellow also will be demolished to make way for the new proposed development. But this just basically illustrates in a site plan view what the existing footprint of those buildings are in relation to the site. So, Tony, most of this site is either building or paved currently, That's right? correct. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Um, with respect to the site plan itself, I think what we're really trying to point out in this development is that the, the bulk of the massing of the proposed development is along Granite Avenue, and it's pushing the volume towards this busy street in order to keep the massing away and lowering it as much as possible towards the rear. And this overview site plan, just going to point out a few things. We're going to get in more detail in the next image, but this shows the development as proposed, again, with the building outlined in the front. There is proposed stepping down in the rear to a two and a one-story situation, basically dealing with covering parking and terrace. And then on top of the building itself is proposed a solar PV. I will point out that in this proposed development, uh, we're trying to uh, pr produce as much of the sustainable strategies possible. This will be an all-electric building. We already had a proposal for a fully a stacker automated parking system to allow us to get more cars in a much smaller footprint that's also, frankly, less energy dependent. It uses less gas because cars are not moving in and out. And we also intend to use the solar PVs in order to generate as much uh, on-site electricity that can support within the building. So the intent is really to try to create a sustainable development as we can. Okay, next. Um, I'm going to try to spend a little time on this. I'm not sure if I can stand up. I'm going to try to do this because it's a little easier point. Um, so I'm sorry for those behind not seeing this. But this shows the planned development here on the ground floor. Granite Avenue is at the bottom of the page. Mechanic Street is here on the diagonal. And essentially what is being proposed is that along Granite Avenue, we are activating it with commercial at the corner of 1,500 square feet, and two residential units here outlined in this sort of uh, pink color along the edge here and here, with a residential lobby shown in this location in the approximately the middle of the site. Behind this component along the street is the stacker parking situation. So it is accessed off of Mechanic Street. You come in here, cars load into the stacker system. There are 38 parking spaces within a three-story stacker arrangement. And then in addition to that, we have two handicapped parking spaces here and then one additional space for this loading on a temporary basis for up to 20 minutes for the residential use. Uh, in addition to that, uh, behind the building at this edge off of Mechanic Street, we have six outdoor parking spaces which are both dedicated during the daytime for commercial use and the evening for visitor parking use. So again, that is what brings 41 inside, six surface to 47 total spaces. Cody, can I ask one question? Please. Can you, behind where the vehicles are parked, can you demonstrate where the sidewalk is behind that and where the right. road begins, just for clarification? Sure. Um, so what we're proposing here, and it's a great question. Thank you very much for it. Along this edge here and here, we are creating a new 
sidewalk edge, it'll be a granite curb. Uh, currently along Mechanic Street, there actually is no sidewalk. I mean, it just literally blends into the back. So we are actually defining it here. With respect to the six parking spaces, uh, you can see where the property line is here in red. That is at the edge of the property line, and it is approximately on the order, I'm guessing, about six feet or so behind where we're creating this new edge of sidewalk against here on Mechanic Street. So that distance is approximately six feet off the sidewalk. So this is essentially the sidewalk zone that occurs here and here. And with respect to the sidewalk, a couple things I'm also going to point out. So in red, in the outline, this is the property line, mm -hmm. which you see here. So the sidewalks um, are also increased on the ground floor. So for example, along Granite Avenue, the sidewalk depth to the base of the ground floor building is ranges from 10 to about 12 feet in depth. Currently, we sort of uh, approximated it's about five to seven feet now. So we're adding roughly four to five feet additional sidewalk width than what exists. And of course, on Mechanics, we, uh, we are creating a sidewalk here, which doesn't exist. And this is 10 feet from the edge of the curb cut to the edge of the building. Um, the other part that I'm going to just point out with respect to property line setbacks. So on Mechanic Street, excuse me, on Mechanic Street here, the building on the ground floor is held back five feet from the property line. Again, 10 feet total from the building edge to, to the edge of the granite curb. And then along Granite Avenue here, um, this distance here is also approximately five feet from the back of the property line to the edge of this component along the edge. And then we have additional about five feet more here. It, it varies, as you can see, a little bit. It's narrowing slightly at the corner here. But again, 10 to 12 feet of sidewalk. Uh, and then we'll, we'll talk about a little bit in a minute that on the floors above this, because we are building out slightly the massing. So on the upper floors, um, this is, you can probably just barely see this dashed outline. That is the upper floor component. So in this instance, it's extending out about three feet above the ground floor on both sides. So hence the distance from the property line to the rear is two feet, and it's also two feet approximately on the front. So I hope that's, that's mm -hmm. <laughs> relatively um, not too confusing. Um, and then the other things, as we mentioned, with respect to the other aspects about the site itself, we, as we mentioned, we're, we're proposing granite curbing, uh, brick edge. Uh, we actually were looking very carefully at what's happening in the shopping area further up the street. So we wanted to use a lot of the similar uh, you know, materials and language being taken from your local neighborhood context. Um, new, new planting of trees here, here, and here, and here. We're also proposing along this edge to create a buffer against the adjacent properties. There will be, in this instance, a more of a kind of a planted edge to help screen against this residential neighbor. Uh, along this edge here, there's just going to be a, some portion of this which is paved, which allows uh, access off of the support and egress. But essentially, we're also trying to create as much green buffer along this edge as well on the west. Um, and other things, just simply point out that a transformer location, we are proposing underground. So we're able to remove it from what was previously shown that was above ground. That's, in frankly, enabling us to do the additional parking spaces here off of Mechanic Street, uh, and then other things like trash, recycling, support, et cetera, basically occurs along here. Um, so this, this is really representing the overall site plan with respect to the proposed development. Um, and then, I, then finally, of course, uh, not least, <laughs> along Granite Avenue itself, uh, we have nine uh, striped parking spaces here, and then three additional visitor, excuse me, drop-off loading areas here, here, and here, which are striped. So basically can accommodate you know, up to three vehicles, or if you have a larger, say, truck moving in, that can take up along this edge because this three spaces is more than sufficient length to handle larger vehicles for loading and receiving. 
Any questions related to this before I move on? Okay. Any other members have questions? I don't know. Anybody else? Not okay. Yet. Okay. Not yet. Thank you. You can keep going. That's sure. good. Okay. Uh, so this is just. Oh, a sorry. Can I? I had one question. I was on double mute. I didn't realize it. Sure. Sorry. Yes, right. Um, can you go back one one to the other side? Just a quick question. Um, we're down the bottom where it says Granite Ave. Mm -hmm. A little to the left, there's a number six. Mm -hmm. Is it just the view on here, or are those are some of those um, parking spots different sizes? Oh, I think that you. I mean, you're probably talking to the graphic size. Uh, they're yeah. they're they're intended to be the same size. I think there okay. may be striping issues. I assumed, drawing. but I yeah. figured it out. Yeah, no, no, they're they're intended to be the same size uh, for a conventional parking space along Granite Ave. Okay, perfect. I mean, I do want to add um, anything on the street, like the parking spaces and the, the loading zone. That's all subject to town approval. Mm -hmm. the, we are not assuming that we can just design for the town. No, of course not. Correct. Yes. Um, uh, and the lower level plan, this just simply illustrates what's happening in the lower level. So again, the automated parking system, which is zoned here, that's what happens when you move those parking in and they stack. And then beneath that, also along the edge here, this is where we have uh, both bike storage here, the 30 spaces, plus storage for the units, the dedicated uh, up to 33 storage units for the 26 residential. So we're providing additional storage for the residences. Okay. Um, and then as we move up to the second floor plan, uh, this is where the, really the bulk of the residential units start. Um, in this instance here, we have a total of nine units, of which eight of them are two bedrooms, one of them is one. Again, this is one of the one-bedroom units that are shown here. Pretty straightforward plan. Um, you can see the main difference is that, as I mentioned, this is about three feet uh, extending out above that ground floor plan in terms of its overall footprint. And we have in the back of the this area here, these are private terrace area off of these units at the rear. And then we have a green roof, which is basically mostly covering uh, the areas underneath, which is related to the parking and other things, and part of those uh, pull-in off-street parking along Mechanic Street. This is what this green roof is basically over. Next plan, level three, very similar to level two. Again, eight units of two bedrooms, one unit of one, uh, one of nine units total. It's, again, it's pretty much identical plan. And then there are some small private terraces and decks in, out here. And then on the next level plan, uh, which is the fourth level, um, we're basically pulling it back. So here you can see that the outline of this floor is shown in this location. All along this edge here, is approximately at least a minimum five-foot depth for a continuous roof terraces for these units. These are larger units on this level, and they're only two-bedroom units, and there's six of them. So this is, an, this is uh, showing that we are massing back along the corners and along the rear in terms of the overall massing. Uh, and then finally, at the roof plan itself, uh, again, we have shown here um, in blue the solar PV array that is being proposed. Um, in the area here, we basically screen off um, the mechanical units here. Uh, there is um, a necessity for one of the stairs, an elevator overrun for the penthouse to come up. We'll talk about that in a minute in the elevations, but this is what's basically represented here. It's essentially all mechanical systems, solar PVs, and the only access you would go for is to service these units up here. Nobody comes up here. These are not roof terraces or any units. Um, okay, on the elevations, I'll uh, let it catch up. Um, so this is an elevation along Granite Avenue here. This is an elevation in the northeast, basically along Mechanic Street here. The main thing I just want to point out in these elevations is that the key thing to understand is that the overall four-story building height 
is 53 feet, two inches to the edge of the parapet, and then it's additional eight feet for the um, mechanical screen on top of that. Um, and I think the total, I'm sorry, this is covering up the numbers here, but 61 feet, two inches to the top of the uh, essentially mechanical screen and elevator penthouse override. Uh, and this along the backside on Mechanic Street here, this is again, I know it's very hard to see in this drawing, but this is where it shows the stepping of the lower roof mm -hmm. and then the second floor and then the two additional floors. And it's showing the setback on this top floor here, which is held back at least five feet along the edge. And perspectives will be more revealing on all of this. And then um, the two other elevations on the north and northwest, again, once they sharpen up, um, essentially shows the same thing. So these are just partial elevations because they're turning the corners in both views, but it's, it's essentially showing the very similar treatment along here. Heights are the same as before um, that I just mentioned. And uh, as, it, as we wrap the corner, we'll talk about the materials that are being proposed, but this essentially shows the, mostly the rear portion and the side portion of the proposed development. Um, with respect to the materials, um, we are looking at a combination of uh, mostly, we are proposing brick along Granite Avenue, um, which is this shown here as sort of this aircraft, a kind of light gray color, which is, has, a, has a pretty mottled but rich effect. The other elements here we also have is essentially fiber cement panels, which mostly occurs in what we call the recessed notch niches, as well as along the backs. We have additional along the bottom level um, aluminum composite panels primarily relating to the retail base, uh, as well as sort of the sign band location that occurs between the ground floor retail and the residential above. We do propose a granite base uh, continuously around all of the building at the ground level. Uh, and then there are a mixture of fiber cement panels of different colors, different sizes, matching around the rest of the building. This is just a photograph of the proposed linear brick that we did mock up. I, I think some of you may have seen this, but this, this is what we're looking at. And the actual type of brick we're exploring is it's a longer type brick. It's a Norman brick, so it has a greater linear length to it than conventional brick sizes. We believe this lends a certain uh, heightened elegance and a little bit less sort of, um, it's, it's, it, it feels at a, in some ways a more elegant dimension and size and type of brick. Um, this is a kind of uh, 3D uh, axonometric of how all these materials come together. So along Granite Ave, again, this is shown, the main facade is this linear brick shown here. The window composition consists of several things. We have essentially a precast lintel frame, which is indicated in this darker gray. Um, then of course we have the windows themselves. The niches, which notch in on each facade, um, is proposed as fiber cement panels. When we come to the corner uh, where mechanic and granite meet, uh, this is, shows a transition here and we're moving from the edge of the brick to the fiber cement panel. Again, here we have fiber cement panel in this instance on the sides here and here, and then there is a literally a break metal. It's a separation between the brick to the fiber cement panel as a transition element, and it will probably have a color introduced here, which we're starting to suggest and starting to look at here. Um, other things that we're also looking at on the ground floor, uh, this shows um, kind of a representation of an idea related to the base. So. It, it will be brick, but we're also thinking of introducing kind of a siding pattern here to create more scale and texture. Um, we're also looking at doing that on the upper windows too to introduce more scale. So we want to try to make more human scale along the facade to break elements down. Uh, so this shows that, and here you can see the granite base that I just discussed before, and then the, basically the fiber cement panel above. So now the next thing is our series of views. Uh, this is a view that exists currently along Granite Avenue 
and here you do see cars. <laughs> so the, now the, the, the design that's shown here represents, as we said, a four-story mess, um, which we have reduced from the previous time we were here. It still has the ground floor um, development for retail. Um, some of this is still catching up, so we know that from this point back, because these are residential units here, uh, the design and treatment of this is going to change from this. This is not going to be all glass. Uh, we don't want to make those residents feel too exposed. Um, but essentially, that's what's developed here. And then here you can see this is the brick that occurs here. These are the niches. And I will say that the reason why we did the broken niches is in order to break the scale of the mass down. So it, in order to take this length of building and scale it, we are introducing those niches in order to help mitigate the overall mass. And then here you can see on the fourth floor how it is set back from the edge along the corner and along the rear. And then the fiber cement panel begins to wrap along the edge. Uh, now this view along uh, Mechanic Street, and here you can clearly see there is no sidewalk. So the proposal is that once we get onto our property that there will sidewalk continue here. And here you can again see how the bulk of the mass is really pushed back towards Granite Avenue and it is stepping away. So we have the one-story element that covers overneath the uh, parking in part. It is proposed with a green roof. And then the second floor terrace off of those rear units are shown here. And then there will be a series of small balconies related to some of these units. And we're also breaking the not niches here as well to also further break down the scale of the massing on the rear as well. And then you can see, of course, that the top floor sets back. I'm not going to get into these plans. I think we're going to bypass most of this. This is, if you have questions, these are the lighting plans. And the main thing that we want to point out, um, we can go pretty quickly to this, Tim, is that on the lighting um, photometric, of course, our aim is to minimize any light pollution. So all light sources are going to basically dissipate and not have night sky problems, not cause glare problems. We want to really downplay the lighting to the greatest extent we can, certainly to meet city requirements, but also just for being a good neighbor. So I think everything we're going to do is to minimize light pollution. And these are just, again, photometric. And these are, again, these are catalog cuts related to the light fixtures. Uh, we don't have to get into this right now. Um, and then finally, these last few images here relate to developments on the landscape. So it's again a little bit more detail. There's certain areas that we're going to call out, uh, such as the trees, the kind of um, arborvitae bushes, the landscape edge, the green roof, elements that occur along the side. So just the next few images, and we'll talk about the green roof, just going to show you what we proposed. So essentially along the trees, we're looking at a range. Uh, these are the types of trees that uh, working with the Landscape is being considered here, and these are the species that we've been examining. Um, we're going to have some low areas around uh, the planting along some of the niches at the base. Um, there are going to be some Virginia creepers and vines along the elements. On the areas we're trying to screen to the neighbors, we're looking at arborvitaes to help mitigate its resistance to the neighbors. And then with spark to the uh, green roof, uh, fairly conventional sedum green roof along that upper part, also helps with surface runoff, of course, to mitigate some of the rain that occurs along the site. And here you can see some of that a little bit closer up. So again, here you can see the arborvitae hedge to basically to try to screen against the neighbors here. This is showing the green root planting and various other sort of plantings along the terrace. And then um, I think some of you may have actually seen this in person. Um, the proposed uh, automated stacker parking system basically allows us to load three levels of parking within a very small footprint. And it's all mechanically operated. Once you pull your car in, eventually it takes the cars and moves them up and down to position these 38 spaces within, and they are able to accommodate up larger SUVs. So it's not just for conventional cars, we can also accommodate larger cars. And then finally, these last few images are the shadow studies. So 
the top row here shows June at 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m., and the bottom of September at the same time. The area in purple just illustrates the extent of shadows that are being cast um, from this proposed development. Um, and the, you can see, particularly in the summertime, um, there's almost very little sh shadow cast into the neighborhoods because, of course, the sun is high. So the shadows cast along granite in the morning, a little bit along the edge in noon, and then a slight bit more along mechanic on the back, but all fairly contained. And then in September, um, the shadows do lengthen a little bit because the sun is, of course, getting lower. But again, you can see in purple the extent of shadows at 9 a.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m. Tony, um, just um, for clarification, there's a, a gray underneath the yep. purple. The gray is the existing shadow, correct? Yes, it is. And we have a larger uh, shadow study image to follow. It's going to okay. explain exactly how much new shadow is being cast by this event against what exists. Okay, thanks. Um, so December, of course, December has the, has the, has the steepest amount of shadows because the sun is mm -hmm. lowest in the sky. So again, in the morning, here you can see the shadows casting this way. And as Cheryl pointed out, the gray is what exists underneath it. At noon, it's beginning to shed this way. And then, of course, uh, the greatest shadow is occurring in the afternoon on December uh, 21st in this direction. Uh, and then when we come back to March, March is very similar to September. It's just the equinox in the spring versus the fall. And then here. Can I just, wait, can I just ask, what's the percentage increase in shadow? I don't think we have an exact. Well, I think, um, I think we need to look at these next slides. Yeah, yeah. that will give a little bit more really indication. really illustrates, Maggie, um, how much of an increase is added by the building as opposed to the existing shadows. And then we don't have a number for that, but I think that these, these do illustrate visually for you how much that is. So th these, these, this analysis here was taken for December because December is the most uh, you know, auspicious issue with regard to shadow because the rest of the time of year is much less. Mm -hmm. So we're just looking at intentionally at, at December. So December 9th, this is the existing shadows which is highlighted in purple here, cast by the existing buildings uh, on the site. Um, and here you can see, relating to the new shadows that are cast by the new development proposed in yellow is shown in this kind of blue-green. So the area that's cast from the shadows is shown in highlighted color here that differentiates it against the existing shadows that occur now. So it just might be helpful to know the percentage. <laughs> And then if we look at noon, um, these again, the property being here, these are the existing shadows cast in purple uh, on the adjacent parcels. And again, in green, this shows where the additional shadows are cast as a relative development. And again, because the push the development mostly to the front, we're trying to minimize as much towards the rear. And then, of course, on December uh, 3 p.m., which is the most extreme condition, here again you can see the existing shadows cast in purple um, by all the properties, including our site. And then here, the areas that you can see in blue overlapping that, this is where the additional shadows result at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and on December 21st. And then these last few minutes, uh, I promise we're almost done. So these are the images taken uh, along the Granite Avenue and the expressway. So now you can see the proposed development as it relates to the streetscape here and viewed along that edge. This was a, a sketch we actually had from before, but this is still showing that we are proposing a development of the residential entry along Granite Avenue to be you know, nicely scaled and nice materials. Uh, 
previously we had also been showing this corner condition here. Now, of course, this is only illustrative. We do not know who the retail tenant will ultimately be, except to say we know it's not going to be a restaurant, a cafe, or high traffic use. So whatever uh, tenant does eventually take charge or takes possession of being the leasing, that will be determined, of course, with subject to reviews. And uh, But the intent is to create something that is inviting and attractive and hopefully a local neighborhood presence. And I think that's it. That's all she wrote. That's great. Thank you, Tony, very much. Nice. Just, if I could just, add, just, yeah. just a couple quick comments. Um, they're just details, but there's a landscape plan and there are street trees. We've added street trees as we've been discussing this. More trees were requested. But I did want you to know that Stack, the, the Street Tree Advisory Committee, has reviewed the trees and the present plan reflects their advice. So um, they are flowering, trees that flower in the spring. Um, and so the species that, that are shown in this plan have been reviewed by them. And they're, they're designed um, in part to be an appropriate height for this site and not too high, you know, so that they kind of fit under the, there's a 17-foot height um, up to that first overhang on the side. So these trees are supposed to fit in to that um, height. And they are also supposed to be trees that have a reasonably good chance of surviving. But um, the development, which will be a condominium, um, is intended to be responsible for maintaining the trees forever. So these are town trees on the town street, so this would have to be a condition in, in any decision from either you or the Board of Appeals. Um, but we know that it's a very inhospitable site, the, the part of it that faces the expressway. Mm -hmm. And the idea is to try to introduce some um, potted plants, and there's a planter on the corner, and then a lot more trees, but the trees are gonna have to be carefully maintained. So there will be exterior locked spigots so that the development can arrange to, just as we were hearing earlier tonight, to water the trees appropriately, and if they don't survive, they'll have to be replaced. So that's just something to think about. I know it's only a small detail, but we feel that one of the um, improvements that you get with this bigger building, with the investment that goes into it, is that you can put some money into the street, uh, and the uh, sidewalk around the building, and try to make it um, a little bit more walkable. It, it's never going, to, there's always going to be noise from the expressway on the ground. There's always going to be a lot of um, wind from the expressway down there. It's not a place where you're going to sit out on a bench for five hours or anything. But you do have to walk to get from one place to another. So the idea was that with this building would come a much more walkable uh, sidewalk area. And hopefully the one commercial space on the corner, uh, the idea would be that that would be a business that people would want to stop in and visit pedestrians would. So I don't, you know, we, had, we don't yet have a tenant. Um, we're always interested in ideas. Um, if anybody has suggestions or ideas um, going forward, we'd certainly like to hear them. So there are just a couple quick comments. Also, for those of you um, on the planning board who have not visited this type of automated parking facility, uh, we would like to arrange a time for you to visit one. Um, we have one in South Boston. We've taken some members of the planning board to see. And I think we've also taken some members of the public to see that as well. So if you, you know, are not, you're probably not familiar with this type of parking system. I was not. It, it is very interesting to get inside a building and see how it works, see how long it takes to bring a car down, put it up, see what the safety features are and where the mechanical controls are and that kind of thing. 
So I do recommend that you contact, um, unfortunately, I'm sorry, but it has to be Tim Trewinsky. He will then get in touch with me right away and we would, we would come up with some dates for um, a visit to a parking facility because I think there will probably be, there's, there are always questions about that from anybody who hasn't seen one of these in operation before. So thank you. Just a couple of extra comments. Thank you. Thank you very much. As always, you do a wonderful presentation, Tony and Marion. Thank you very much. Um, and I do have. Can we just can we yes. have a staff report? Can we have a staff report? Sorry, I want to speak up a little loud. A staff report on the on this application? I think not yet because I think we don't know. We're not quite. It's a little preliminary to do a staff report on on this. Um, do you have? I know they're working on doing something, but I. Okay. I think it's just it's a little preliminary to. Just to comment until we. Okay, how about uh, at least on the site plan um, approval process, what that entails? Just because we do have some new members that may not have understood Certainly. this in that context. We can do, we can do that, okay. but I, yeah. Yeah, um, th yeah, that, that's. Give some that's, overview uh, of the process. Just, just, just for the public sure. who's watching yes, too to understand just, the process yeah, that we go through. Not quite yeah. ready on the report. Yeah, yeah that's, that, that's, that's fine. Um, you know, we, we did do our, our usual technical review on, on this application just to sort of check it for completeness. Um, we, we had uh, Marion be sort of the test subject on a um, web based application form that we've been trying out. Um, some bugs, but I think um, it, it worked out. Um, just for your kind of own kind of individual information. Um, if you look in your in your package of um, <clears throat> excuse me of, of materials, um, it's the one that's labeled site plan application cognito form. It's called cognito because that's the program that we use. Um, but what we're what we're trying to do in this, and I'm going to share this on Zoom just so you know folks at home can see it real quick, is um, to provide a means by which applicants can have a standardized way of presenting and, and, and submitting these applications. Um, what it really basically does, as I scroll through here, is you know some contact information, and then just the conditions that are in the rules and regulations, so that you know the applicant can just say, "Here's the answer to this question. Here's the answer to this question. Um, here's where you can find this answer in our materials." Um, that leads into into the the, the, the information mm -hmm. that Cheryl was looking for is you know what are the what are the conditions for approval for site plan review and what are the submission requirements. Um, this application is pegged to the submission requirements. Um, hopefully, it makes your job a little easier so that you can say you know did they provide a written description of the site's current uses such as watershed, wildlife habitat, etc. Um, they did. Um, so good, we can check that box. Um, I'm going to stop my share. Um, We've been we've been through a couple site plan approvals I think recently, but I think it always bears um, you know reminding about what the um, what what site plan approval is, um, and and we talked about this in the last iteration of this project the sort of unique ish nature of this particular application. We've had others that that are similar to it, where it's not a zoning compliant project, um, so you need the zoning relief. Site plan approval in our bylaws contemplates a zoning compliant use. Um, and, and the principle behind site plan approval throughout the Commonwealth is site plan approval can be used to regulate but not um, reject projects. Um, again, that presumes zoning compliance. Um, 193 Central Lab, which Marion is very familiar with, um, is a zoning compliant use as a, as a sort of childcare facility. So that was a project where we're talking about the physical layout and we're talking about the physical impacts of the project, but you know, it's zoning compliant, you've got to approve it. 
Um, this one is, is, is an interesting one, you know, because it's kind of parallel with the Board of Appeals right now. It does need zoning variances. But we'll go through very quickly the conditions for approval, for site plan approval, and then we can talk at a later hearing about how to apply those. And, and, and that's, you know, I'll try to provide as much guidance as I can in the staff recommendation. Um, but this is, um, this is in the zoning bylaw under um, Section 8D3, General Conditions for Approval. Um, and I'll put this on the screen as well, just so folks can see it. Um, and we all know what we're all talking about, because um, not everyone has the zoning memorized. Like, I can't even say that I do, because I still need to read it every single time. Um, what you're looking for in a site plan approval, according to the bylaw, is protection of adjoining premises against detrimental or offensive uses on the site. Convenience and safety of vehicular and pedestrian movement within the site in relation to adjacent streets, property, or improvements. Adequacy of the methods of disposal for sewage, refuse, and other waste resulting from the uses permitted or permissible on the site, and the methods of drainage for surface water. Adequacy of space for the off-street loading and unloading of vehicles, goods, products, materials, and equipment incidental to the normal operation of the establishment. Proper use of the site with respect to unit density and proximity of adjacent buildings to each other. And finally, the adequacy of lighting to maintain a safe level of illumination on the site and whether lighting is properly shielded to protect adjacent properties. Um, you know, the, the, the final thing I'll say just to sort of think about, about these things, and again, I'll go back to sort of the principle of, you know, we can use the, the, the 193 Central Project as an example. You know, we're not talking about whether this is an appropriate use for the site. The zoning tells us that it's an appropriate use for the site. So what are we actually looking at? We're looking at the physical impacts of the site. And really what site plan approval is meant to cover is the types of things on large sort of out of the ordinary projects that the building code may not cover. You know, the building code isn't talking about, you know, on-site circulation. So, so you've got to help, you know, figure that out. Um, you know, similarly for, for things like landscaping and, you know, sewage, refuse, and other waste, because this isn't a single family house where you just put the trash out in the bucket. This is a large apartment building with a commercial use. There are different considerations for, for solid waste removal, for instance. So, you know, you think about it as, you know, what are the physical impacts of a larger project than, than what is usually sort of seen kind of around town? And that's what site plan review is. So um, we're, we're going to wait a little bit in terms of the back and forth and hearing the questions that the board has. Uh, there are some questions that we have about the project. There's questions we want to know what questions you have um, and kind of incorporate that into a revised um, staff recommendation because um, we did do one for the previous project. It's a different project, um, less impactful in some ways, different in other ways. So we're going to um, you know, provide you as much guidance as we can, but um, that's site plan review right now. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That's good. Um, so moving forward, um, I know I have some questions and some concerns, but I'm going to hold off on um, any of my comments. I'd like to hear from the other board members. Um, first, um, I don't know if anyone wants to um, speak up first on, on questions that you have. Um, Rich, I see your hand up. Yeah, actually, I just wanted to um, um, mention, so uh, disclosure, so I am part of the East Milton Neighborhood Association's um, board. If folks remember um, when I, well, most of them, but when I started five years ago on this board, I was a member of that board. And at that time we were talking about a lot of things that um, um, were affecting East Milton. So I exited the board. Um, this past year I did join that board again, but I've been um, not, anytime this subject comes up, I excuse myself from conversations. So I feel like I can be impartial during this uh, public hearing. 
Thank you. So Meredith, I just have a question about how you want to go through this. Do you want to break it down by different topics or I do you want to just that's a good go question. Through, yeah. You know, go through the whole entire um, no, I, I think right now I will keep it more general. Um, I think um, what we'll do is um, I'll meet with Tim and sort of I told Marion that we would probably put a calendar out. So we'll take whether it's traffic, parking, you know, we'll take things um, as they come. If there's something that jumps out at you right now that would be helpful to get get ahead and maybe get some information, absolutely, um, we w would welcome that. Um, but I think at this time, um, really just some overall general direction for the developer and the team would be w really what I think they're looking for because some things may change if, you know, if one thing changes, it may affect something else. So, but we would like to have a calendar to keep this moving, you know, on, on behalf of, for the developers, um, give them a timeline so they know what staff to bring and, and who to bring it with, to which meeting. But, um, but this is a general, and of course, Sean is out of the country tonight. He's not here. He'll watch this so he could be part of um, the determining um, decision by the, by the planning board. But, um, but certainly tonight, if there's things that we can get ahead of that, would, that we can um, have answered tonight, um, I would like to you know, certainly let the board speak to questions or concerns they might have. So. All right, if that's helpful. Cheryl, did you have, you were taking some notes. Did yeah, I, um, I, I, I do have um, some notes. I went through the application in some detail um, to try and help us move this along. Um, I do want to just make a couple of general comments yeah. at first. Yeah. Um, you know, East Milton Square has been subject to planning studies for actually decades. And uh, it's been pretty consistent in the studies, you know, to suggest looking at mixed use um, in part because it's an amenity-rich area that's kind of underutilized in some ways. Um, there's a lot of discussion about budgets and where our tax revenue comes from, and it mostly comes from residential tax revenue. Um, a building like this is mostly residential, but it's commercial in many ways, and it has the ability to contribute to tax revenue comparable to commercial use as well. And so when we're looking at potential for overrides, I, I think we have to be mindful whether we can get uh, more from our business districts. And I think this is a good example of sort of melding how to take something that's underutilized and sort of uh, get it to higher performance, not just from a tax point of view, but from what the town needs point of view. There's lots of studies that say the town needs more housing and, a, and variety in the kinds of housing that we have. Uh, what you've said in your application is that you, you're going to target this towards young families or new households and maybe people like me who are empty nesters uh, and don't have children at home anymore. And there's, it's been shown in our studies in our housing production plan and our master plan that we need that kind of housing. So I think there's some real benefits to what you're proposing uh, on the site. And then um, when we get to the architectural approach to the site, I absolutely uh, support the massing being shifted towards Granite Ave, that you're putting the bulk of the building away from the residential neighbors. 
Um, and I also absolutely support that you're widening the sidewalks and providing a sidewalk. So getting our public realm uh, improved in East Milton Square is another really uh, beneficial thing. It might be one project at a time, unless we get some grant money for the rest of the uh, neighborhood, but one project at a time is better than none. So it sets the direction for what other development might do. So having the, the street trees, having the brick, it starts to make it more like Milton Village, which I think a lot of people think is very attractive. So I think those are all um, positives. Now I do have a few comments uh, that I'd like you to look at and think about. Um, if we could go to the site plan, Tim. One of them I think goes to the question I think that Meredith had earlier, which has to do with those parking spaces on Mechanic Street and the sidewalk. And just while you're getting there, I think um, also where the driveway comes in. If we can look at a different material, even if you have a curb that's not really curb height, but just a, a, maybe an inch and maybe it's granite cobbles or something, so what we can distinguish uh, from the pedestrian from the drive part because those cars that park there some of them might end up you know creeping onto that sidewalk and, and I think it would be better to have a demarcation there and the same thing along because you know we have you have an interruption a fairly long interruption really of the sidewalk there thanks for moving the transformer underground though because that does help uh, but the other thing about it is the site you know the driveway at 16 feet we may have talked about this before but in our work in my office, I'm seeing the city of Boston want to get that down to 10 to 12 feet for multifamily buildings. And I think it's partly because they want to reduce that amount that's not sidewalk. So I'd like you to look at that and see whether you really think 16 feet's the right dimension that you need there. Um, and then on the landscape, well, this is the plan and the landscape plan is really the same. I, I think. Um, we just really don't, I don't have a very good understanding of that north facade. You know, we don't, we haven't seen a color version of that elevation. We don't know how the plantings are going to mask some of a blank wall, whether there's any texture to that wall. So I think I would like to see more, you know, of what that's going to be like. And maybe a landscape plan that's actually calling out, you know, specific locations, not just a green swath. Because, you know, it is going to be what you see there for a bit. Um, and it's what that neighbor is definitely going to see. Um, so, I, so that's one thing. And then um, on the, um, the street trees, I'm thinking that they're pretty close to the curb. And I'm wondering if they need some protection. Um, again, sort of a landscape detail kind of question. But, you know, we want those to um, do well. Right, and so urban. Um, I think there's a there's a fence or a grid. You know, I'm not sure where it is on this plan, but I know I've seen it because the stack because stack recommended. Okay. Same thing. Same thing. Well, yep. They said, well, first of all, you know, because cars are opening their doors into the sidewalk a space tree guard. that they can hit a tree, so that if you have a low um, tree guard. Yeah. 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 And and it could be longer and it can be shorter. There's also some. Um, Drainage, drainage absorption area around the trees. I think that's the change. And so I'll have to look at all the plants that we have and see where it is. Um, 
So you don't you don't really see it here. Here you just see that it's flat and the tree goes into the ground. But I, I and this is an earlier, this is much earlier rendering. Um, so yes, I, I understand what you're talking about. I think that it, we may have tried to put that in, but it's not really clear when you look at these drawings. Yeah, I think what you could do is just include a typical detail for that. Like it doesn't have to be. I don't think it has to be in the renderings. But if you have a typical detail, okay. and you could put that with that sort of enhanced landscape plan. Um, now if we could go to the. Um, the 3D or the, the elevations. There's a couple of things. Um, the basis of design materials, I think, are good quality. They're appropriate for this building type, in my experience, as an architect doing multifamily work at this scale. Um, so, I don't, um, so I think that's good. One of the things, though, I noted on those drawings and the elevations, it says that there's a deduct alternate for the windows from aluminum to PVC. Now. My understanding of aluminum windows and PVC windows is there's going to be performance difference, so there's also going to be aesthetic difference, potentially. So is that really your intention, is to keep a deduct? I, I see Ellen's waving her head no. I would say it's not your standard PVC. Ellen, can you come up with that? So it's not your standard PVC window, Cheryl, that you're, you're thinking about? Mm. It's, it's something that's used in a lot of... Um, Thank you, Tony. In a lot of um, high um, energy saving buildings, we actually went with uh, Michael to view one of them. It's they're super duper insulated windows, and, and one of our things issues here is noise, and they're very good at keeping out noise. But we can show we can show you a side by side comparison. That's all. Yeah, that would be it's great. A, it's actually a great alternate to an aluminum. Yeah, just you know how sometimes it can be rounded versus crisp edges, or there can be um, sheen is different, texture, color, yes. um, sight lines, dimensions. So if you could even just do, here's an elevation of a section with an aluminum, and here it is with PVC, just if the sight lines are all the same. Because you know, windows on a facade are the, usually one of the main characters of the facade. So changing a window, like if you look in a historic building, you change a window, you know, from the details of that window to a different detail, it can change the whole building's look. So that, uh, I just think, is important. Um, and then uh, you already hit on the storefront, so thanks, Tony, for picking up on that comment. Yeah. Um, I notice a lot of penetrations in the facade you call vents. And if it's an all-electric building, you shouldn't have vents for much. So what are you venting with all those vents? There's lots of dots all over. That's not really fully designed at this right. point. So, I mean, we would have standard vents or uh, washer dryers. Uh, so, I would ask that you consider running the venting for the dryer vertically. And if it's all electric, I don't think you're going to need all those. But it's really important detail that we should understand. So, if you're not going to have them, I'd rather, I'd rather really understand what, whether they're going to be there or not. Because all that beautiful brickwork, all that beautiful detailing, it can get destroyed by yeah. them because yeah. they're all based on what it is in plan and it might not look like what you want it to on the facade. All right, so that, uh, and then um, just lastly, that there's a, a bit of detail. Well, there's a bit of blank wall on Mechanic Street at the ground floor where that brick is, where the service area is. And 
uh, you know, you don't show much of that, how that detail is, like you do on the front facade where you have that little section. And I'd like to see a little kind of blow up of that, which shows some attention to that, because that's where your people are walking and they're going to see. And then if you could do something kind of blown up on the rear elevation, so we get a sense of what that combination of materials looks like too, because that's what neighbors are going to see from their side. Um, and then, Tim, can you go to the first uh, residential floor plan? Yeah, that's good. So, um, the terrace, how deep is that terrace? Because it looks like 18 or 20 feet. Mm. Is that, it was that first floor right there. It is not a dimension on it. 16 feet. And, uh, and the reason I asked, because that faces the neighbors. So an 18 foot deep terrace, you could have a party up there. And I'm a little concerned about how much activity is up there. And I'm even thinking that the unit type A and the unit type D on the ends, what if you if you didn't have terrace there and it was just for those two, two middle units and the terrace was smaller. And you'd have more green roof that way too. And that's just really consideration to, to noise for neighbors. Um, and then uh, one last comment for tonight anyway, at least I think one last, um, is the affordability. You have the two one bedrooms, you only have two of them, and they're the, both of the affordables. And, you know, typically you're going to see affordables distributed throughout. And so on the ground floor. Yeah. yeah. So I guess, you know, I would ask, I know these are not, it's not a zoning requirement at the moment. There's no inclusionary zoning here. But to, to say that one of the least desirable units, which is the ground floor, and the two smallest units are your affordable units, you might consider giving one of those, on the, swapping out one of those one beds on the upper floor to a two bed. And you've got one that's right next to it, that's 987. So. You mean they have two affordables next to each other? No, I just, I'm sorry, if you switched H to G, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting on the ground floor because I didn't necessarily think of those as I think of desirable, I actually think. The entrances to, we, you can see we haven't given you the design yet. But the plan, the thought is that the entrances will not be from the street, that one will be entered from the lobby, the other one will be entered from the side. Um, I don't know if that makes any difference in height. Well, I, I was just I thinking mean, about I, it from the highway. A desirable unit up as an affordable unit, but maybe, you know, because it's on the ground level. So for, for some people, that's going to be attractive. They can walk yeah. right in, they don't have to look. We have an elevator in this building, maybe it doesn't make well, if you think about like successful residential areas, you're going to have perhaps just a stoop, a little bit of green space, a little bit of change in elevation. Those are typically ground floor units that are pretty nice. But here you're right on the sidewalk, right next to parking spaces, right next to Granite, right, which is an off-ramp on the highway than the highway. So to me, those, are, <laughs> those aren't going to be as desirable as getting up a little higher, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, and, and I'm happy to have other people comment on that as well. And, and maybe the Affordable Housing Trust can comment on it as well. Um,
So thanks. Those are nit sort of, in a, in a way, kind of nitpicky. That's why I gave my general overall favorability to start with. But we're trying to give, keep this going. I wanted to give you all my feedback at once. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rich or Maggie, did you have something that you would like to ask or, or comment on at this time? Yeah, Adam, Rich, do you want to go first? Or? No, go for it. Um, so I want to thank you um, for your presentation. I'm one of the newer, the new members of the board. Um, and so I can appreciate all the time and effort that you've um, put into your plan. Um, I, I'm looking more not at the detail as Cheryl is. My concerns are um, bigger um, than, than Cheryl's. Um, you know, um, I'm a lifelong resident of Milton, and um, I agree that the square is ripe for um, redevelopment. And, and I'm really excited to see um, that there's some progress being made. But as we plan kind of for progress, I feel like we can't forget our um, past and our history. And I think East Milton Square is rooted in history and a history that includes the um, residential neighborhoods. And the residential neighborhoods are comprised mostly of um, single family houses. And we really need to, and to remember and respect um, that history and respect the residents who still live in those um, residential um, houses especially those on Mechanic and Pierce Street. Um, I think, you know, a successful project um, supports the integration of mixed use. I'm all for mixed use. I'm for residential space, commercial and civic spaces all kind of coming together, um, you know, surrounding the neighborhood. And a successful project, I think, achieves a better place um, for the neighbors to live. And so my question is, when I look at a project, is does this project accomplish this goal? Um, does this project make the existing neighbors, the existing residents, their neighborhood a better place for them to live? And if it makes it better for them, it will, in effect, make it better for the residents um, in, your, in your building. And so I'm, the other question is how will this, um, like how will the neighbors benefit from this project? Um, and um, you know, the first step kind of for me is to look at the site as a whole. Um, and like when I look at a project, um, I look to see what the plan is to reduce the impact of the project onto its abutters. And when I look at this plan, I'm not really getting a feeling that much is being done to minimize the impact of the building on its abutters and onto the neighbors. And I do think we've kind of forgotten, we just don't have the neighbors on Mechanic and Pierce, but we actually have neighbors on the other side of um, the expressway um, so I know the expressway, you know, cuts down the middle of East Milton, um, 
but it, we're still one town and the neighbors on the other side, like State Street and Grafton, they're gonna be looking at this too. So I think we really have to pay attention to all sides of the building. Um, and I don't necessarily think that a three foot buffer or a planting bed on the mechanic side is sufficient. And it's not sufficient enough to reduce um, the impact of the building on its neighbors. Um, so I do have a bit of issue of the size of the building. Um, I, you know, I don't want to get into all of my comments, but just generally speaking, um, I kind of want the applicants to know where I'm coming from. I've been in your plate, in your position before when I went through a special permit for the town. And I think um, one of the most frustrating parts for me as an applicant was like going from meeting to meeting and meeting and making, not hearing the changes and feeling like you're wasting your time and your money. So I just wanted to kind of be upfront and honest with you with what I'm kind of feeling. Um, I just think it's too big. Um, I think the, the footprint is too big. There's not enough green space around it. Um, I'm not sure if I've bought into the stacker system yet. Um, I, you know, spoke to a couple people, a couple towns about um, the whole stacker system. And, um, you know, the city of Quincy doesn't allow it. And they actually permitted two developments with stackers. And they are, they've said to me, fortunately, they didn't actually get built and um, they're not allowing them in the future for safety reasons. And my understanding is that the planning board, the zoning board, the fire chief, um, the planner kind of all came together and said that it, they had major safety issues and concerns with the stacker. So that's why they're not allowing it. And to me, like if a city of Quincy isn't allowing it, like why are we Milton, a town, which I think a lot of people kind of forget about, we're still a town. Um, we, we are not, uh, and maybe we're a little bit more overbuilt than I would like to see, but we're still a town. And um, I just, I don't, I haven't bought into the, the, the whole stacker idea. I don't think, um, like my questions with the stacker, is, it, is there enough interior space when you're going to remove a car? Do you have enough space, you know, for how many cars can get moved around at one time? There's gonna be backlog of people. So I have specific questions about the stacker, but I just, I don't think Milton as a whole should be looking at this stacker parking system as a solution. Because if we do it here at this, site, then I think we're setting a precedent for another site. Um, and then we're bringing more cars into an already tight East Milton Square, which is still, you know, a neighborhood. It's, it's still a neighborhood. And I think we keep forgetting that. Um, and then lastly, well, a couple things. Lastly, the commercial space, I think as a business owner in town, it's really, really difficult to operate a business outside of commercial space. Uh, this commercial district. Um, 
I think we're doing a huge disservice to our residents if we are actually taking space that is as a right commercial space and making it housing. I, I think the whole first floor should be commercial space. Um, I, I think um, um, we need our commercial spaces, you know, according to Tim, the site plan approval you just went over, our commercial spaces and our residential spaces um, need to provide um, off-street loading and unloading of vehicles. And I don't think that there's any space right now is this um, is designed to offer that. So I'd like to see uh, on-site loading. Um, and then my other overall is um, the building design. I appreciate all the efforts in creating a new look for Milton but I don't think it quite fits in. Um, you know, the East Milton neighborhood is designated as a historic railway village. And I would love to see like a modern take um, paying tribute to that, um, that designation. Um, you know, everyone involved in this project between the property owner of Paul Travers and Ellen and Michael, you guys all live in Milton and you guys all live in New England style houses. So I kind of am a little bit confused that this design of this building is so out of character of Milton. And um, we really need to have a building that represents our, our character as a whole. And um, I don't think this building is quite it. And like, if you're, one of the things I think about is if you're driving up 93 on the expressway he heading into Boston, when you look up and you look up on Granite Ave, you see all the buildings. And yes, they're not super attractive all right now, but they're ripe for redevelopment. And I just think that shouldn't be forgotten. That whole Granite Ave will say, oh, it's just Granite Ave, it's, you know, it's not the nicest part of Milton. It's, um, you know, but we're right on the highway. But that's really the face of Milton. And I think we need something that looks more like the rest of Milton. Um, so that's kind of my overall thought of the project. And I really think, um, you know, it could be a great project. I'm in support of a great project, but I just think it's, not quite there. Thanks. Thank you, Maggie. Um, Rich. Yeah. Do you want to? Yeah. Next? Oh. Sure. Yeah. No. I'm. I don't. I'm not going to take a lot of time because I'm. I'm interested in. In you know hearing more and going through the process, and I'm, I'm definitely going to have thoughts and opinions as we move forward. Um, I mean, I, I am interested in hearing the rest of it. Interested in hearing um, what the public has to say at that at those appropriate times. Um, I, I mean, I'll say it's a very different, it looks very different than what was brought before before. So we're going in the right direction. Um, I, I just, a couple of these are so benign. I don't think we need to answer them right now, but I'll just make a comment. Um, when Cheryl, when you, um, I thought you had a lot of great ideas I and mean, great thoughts, um, especially on those, um, those balconies, things like that. Um, when you were looking at the trees, just a comment, I couldn't really tell. And I know it was just a picture, so I'd have to actually look at the the drawings, but I'm hoping it's not, you know, that pad, those foam things 
Um, those deteriorate pretty bad, and they usually, to me, they look like they're kind of like a hazard. You trip over them. So I'm kind of hoping they're those, you know, we're thinking those iron things that sit down in there and they don't, they don't move. They're, they're a little better looking. Um, the other comment, and I'm not, I'm not an architect, so I'm just thinking purely, you know, aesthetics of the rest of that street. There's a lot of brickwork, so I like that you're, that you are incorporating brick, but there's a lot of like red brick on the street. So I don't know what that means. Do you, does that mean you normally do red or does that mean you start changing and updating it with the times? I don't have an opinion on that, but I'm sure others will. And it'd be interesting to hear at some point, like how you chose the color, um, because there is a lot of stone on that street, a lot of, a lot of brick already. And, I'm, and again, not an architect. So I don't know if, you know, does that mean you stick with one color or do you change it? Or do you, you know, does the change fit in? When, when you're going down the, re the road. Um, so these are just initial things when I was hearing you folks talk, so. But yeah, looking forward to it. Great, thank you, Rich. Um, and so I'll go just be real brief um, as well on my comments. Um, I have to be completely honest um, that this is a commercial, commercially zoned district currently. And what I've seen is we've, we've lost that, our, the commercial um, and the commercial space within the building. We started, again, this was a different project, but it was three, um, three commercial spaces. Um, we're down to one on a 20, over 20,000 square foot lot. We're only getting 1,500 square feet. And I think that's gonna be an issue for our town, not me personally, but I, what I hear from the residents are the limited amount of commercial space that we have in our town and that we need more, everyone is just saying, where can we get some more commercial space? Um, and I feel that it would be a real loss and a, of an opportunity to, um, to not have those three units on the first floor um, and, and, and really bring back um, some, what is to revitalize and really make it a true mixed use. It's no longer really mixed use if you, if we, and, and that's happened with Falcone, unfortunately. We, that is a significant loss of commercial space. So we've lost, and we're having an erosion of, of that space. So I would love to see that. And also for uniformity and um, aesthetically, um, I think one of the most attractive things about your building is that you do have that glass front on the, you know, uh, depicted on your um, original plan where you're not going to have a flat wall or, you know, just have, I'm sure you'll do windows, but, but, it, but it really is, gives it um, a nice look. It gives it a nice base. Um, I really appreciate the fact that you br have brought that down a story. It makes a tremendous amount of difference, the three stories and four on the granite. So I, I do... Um, I really do appreciate that, um, but I would like to see that um, the commercial brought back because I think, I think our town expects our commercial spaces, and we are, it is so limited along that um, area specifically. It's such a narrow um, space that we do have our commercial. Um, so, to be able to retain that at minimum, um, I, I think would be ex expected by the residents. The other thing. Um, it's still, even though you've brought it down for four stories, it's still a really, really very large building um, in comparison to a lot of the one and two story commercial buildings that we have currently. Um, I know I've addressed you know, this, this previously, but, um, and I really do appreciate the, arch the architecture and the art of what you've designed. I, um, 
in no way want to take anything away from um, the design of the building, but what um, but what the what the current design um, really taking off of a, a brutalist style um, of architecture really gives a cold facade. Um, it's not a welcoming um, building. It's it's. It's a it's an art and I and I get that and it's a look and I, I think that you know if it stood alone, but um, this building does not stand alone. It's going to be part of what we're working on and we're about to create some um, do some overlay zoning with some design guidelines to really create East Milton to have a distinct character and I think that's um, we want to create that where we are creating a more uniform um, connected community where there is a distinct character um, when you when you come in and a warm welcoming and a lot of what you're doing with the sidewalks is wonderful and um, making it much more uh, appealing but I think what you and this goes to the density the way to mitigate being such a large building and again I think it can connect to some of the smaller buildings is a, a different um, taking a different view architecturally on it where you are breaking up and you've done it vertically you you've um, articulated that on some verticals but again you have some real tall flat facades if you could create some art some hard horizontal and you've done that with the base um, but i'm thinking with um, you could do that with materials whether you made the base um, maybe have some limestone maybe the the south west corner which is that sort of that angled that if that could be a limestone or or simulated limestone they make some really wonderful um so if you had that with a limestone and you had a significant either the top story being um having sort of that a limestone with a with a cornice across the top your hor you horizontally would be breaking that that would leave what i would really like to see is the two middle floors being a red brick um, and have the windows have a little bit more of a classic style. That way your interior spaces actually wouldn't have that necessarily that crotch, a little crotched um, into their, into that um, V into their, into their units, which actually would make it a more symmetrical unit, maybe more glass, more windows. Um, but if you could, if you could break the massing horizontally um, and really give it a base and we talked about this a lot with when we were doing the design guidelines with the Milton Village that giving it a little more of a classic element even though it could be a modern building giving it a base a middle and a um, and a cap would would really mitigate the the size and the scale even though it's giving you your units it's giving you the the size and in this and um, not taking any way, anything away from that, but, but softening your lines and making it, as we go and we do our design guidelines, something that takes off the elements of some of our, whether it's the Admiral's building or, you know, the building, the Abbey Park, you know, even, even the fire station has, you know, limestone, you know, le you know sort of um, uh, lentil, is it lent um, lentil? Lentils, am I... That um, but having some some detail framing the windows um, with a different with with a, maybe a limestone type material would really give it I think some of the classic elements that I think people would really really um, gravitate to and, and really say 
gosh, we drive into Milton, and isn't that a beautiful building where, and it and it's a welcoming um, building rather than, that's a wow, but is it a wow that 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 creates a sense of community? And I think, I think the residents of East Milton very much would like to see an identity and a connection. Um, and I think you could do that in a, in a really nice way and mitigate the, the height and the size and the scale with some more, um, and you can still do the vertical, you know, you could do some things vertically, but, but more uh, of a horizontal and with materials. Um, I think you would be very, very successful. Um, so, um, and, and just the other thing, you know, I think what that does, this building, there's not a, um, there's not a transitional building behind you and the, and the neighbors. And I know that's been, you know, I think we're all very concerned about that. You, this is the transition to that neighborhood. It goes from your commercial building right into that neighborhood. And that's a complicated thing to, to, to create, I understand, makes your job, you know, a little bit more challenging because, and you've, you've done that nicely with the step down. But I, again, I think softening some of the lines and not making it um, although, you know, again, nothing to take away from the, the art of the architecture and what you've, what you've designed. It's, it's the style, um, not your design, but that, that would be more consistent with, um, and more of a nice transition to those residential, um, neighborhoods, which are really classic New England, um, buildings and, and, and what, you know, people consider to be, you know, in our master plan, a bucolic town um, with a you know a small town feel. So that's, and we want to work with you. I just want to say we we really want, I want to see you have a really successful project and really in any you know working together. I, th I think we can accomplish that. So um, that's all. I, I just want to ask you one question. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's very interesting, you know, to get these comments. Um, to go back to that first question of commercial space, it's yeah. been a real problem. Yeah. Um, because, of course, we designed it. I didn't design it. But the design that was proposed right. initially was first floor commercial, residential above, right. with more units. Right. Um, and the problem, as you know, is parking. And the problem throughout East Milton Square is parking. parking. And the neighbors yeah. have pointed out that the problem is parking. Right. There is no parking lot next door. There's a bank. It's all privately owned all around there. And have you approached so, them at all? I was, that was a question I actually meant to ask. Have you spoken to Citizens Bank about um, commercially, you know, whether they don't own the parking yeah. lot? I, I looked up the deed. The, 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 it doesn't seem to be to Citizens Bank. No, it's not. It's not. So, oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The okay, entire good site? Question, of course, but, yeah. Um, We've well, into it a little bit, but, yeah. But so, so I understand so I'm just, that. I'm yep. just putting it out there. I do understand. Um, so one thing law did not, does not allow us to create that much commercial space right. um, without parking. And, mm -hmm. and the problem um, with you're going to find with all of these individually owned mm -hmm. spaces. I was about to get to. <laughs> is going to be sort of the same kind of problem. Understand. No existing parking or almost none, and. So everyone's relying on street parking and whatever parking mm -hmm. areas there are. Um, but if you're going to create, if this were to be an all commercial building, um, and, and I wouldn't think that we would be proposing um, automated and close parking in a commercial building, because you need to be familiar with the system and, and carefully mm -hmm. control it, that works in condominiums. 
but it doesn't work, you know, with commercial buildings. You'd have to do all ground floor parking, basically. I mean, I've talked to the building commissioner about this, you know, and I know mm -hmm. you're looking at design guidelines. So this is definitely going to be an issue in terms of planning and designing for the whole of these small business districts. The idea, and, and I, 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 I'm not going to respond to any of the design comments. They're very interesting. Right. I think they're for the architect right. and the owner Certainly. to, I mean, and the, and the developers to go back and discuss. Um, but from my perspective, this is a very difficult site because of the proximity mm -hmm. of the expressway. The fact that there is, we are not next to the deck. I mean, everybody maligns the deck park, but the deck park does muffle noise. Mm -hmm. And it certainly adds uh, a softer feel despite the intrusion of the mm -hmm. Southeast Expressway. But when you get this far down, um, this, this building at the end, particularly the business district, um, is all expressway. I mean, you stand in front of it, the noise is intense. It's not an attractive site to try to figure out how to do anything, basically. And so, you, you know, so I, I, I'm happy to hear you say that, I mean, certain size and density may be necessary in order to do some kind of development. That's encouraging. Um, I don't know right now what the solution is to providing more commercial space on the ground floor, simply because uh, it's going to be a Board of Appeals issue. And our zoning, does, you know, our zoning would require us to create for what we had proposed before, 4,100 square feet, um, a lot of parking spaces. I think it was 21 or something like that. I mean, it's not feasible. Um, and in order to build a building, uh, where are you going to put the parking? Um, mm -hmm. That you're right next. To it. So it's not just because of the expressway though that this site is so difficult. The lot is a triangular shape. And it borders a residential district, as you pointed mm -hmm. out. But it's in the business district. Right. So how do you make good use of a site like that? Um, and then, you know, of course, it, we're all very interested in what happens uh, as you develop zoning guidelines and, and hopefully mm -hmm. some zoning, some overlay zoning for East Milton Square. It's going to take a while. What you have now is a situation where you have land that's available, mm -hmm. a developer who's interested in doing something. I agree with you, I think. The town should try to capitalize on that situation and come up with a good development, and maybe it can be, you know, an expression of something that that will help you with your other design work. There are a lot of different opinions about design, unfortunately, you know, and there is there are many or some who feel um, they really like you know the, the, this look or they're used to it or they're not uncomfortable with it. Um, so. Um, my, my basic question back to the board, this is to the planning board, is how do you solve the problem of parking if you want more mm -hmm. commercial space? And however, whatever the size of this building is going, would be, how do you solve that problem? It's quite difficult for an individual landowner to figure it out. It really, it, what's happening is you're, you're going to, we're going to the Board of Appeals for different projects, restaurants, mm -hmm. proposed, and that kind of thing, and you're asking for some give and take. I mean, you're saying, well, we can't exactly do it the way the bylaw says we have to do it, but, you know, we're going to leave some space here, we're going to use some street parking, we're going to have some off-street parking, uh, and that's accepted, because after all, most of the businesses in these moments where don't have any off-street parking. Um, so I, I just would, would, would certainly be interested in hearing your thoughts. Um, most likely the Board of Appeals would be interested in hearing your thoughts mm -hmm. on that particular issue. So, and then I don't know what the financial performer looks like for this building if you do take two more 
uh, residential units away and instead create commercial. That's something for the developer to talk about and, and as architects and engineers. Um, we'll have a lot to think about and come back to you to talk about. And I know you want to go to public comment. Um, yeah. I do want to, before yeah. we end the meeting, I hope, talk about what we will, uh, in addition to the comments you've given us tonight, um, a particular topic such as traffic and parking sure. perhaps might be appropriate for mm -hmm. the next meeting. Um, a lot of um, the engineering of this building has already been reviewed. Mm -hmm. I don't think um, that in particular requires a great deal of discussion. We can, we can probably address that also at the same meeting. It's been peer-reviewed already. It's been reviewed by the town. And the same engineering applies mm -hmm. to the building that's shorter and has fewer units. Certainly, yeah. So I'm just thinking that, well, so I'll, I'll end there, but. Right. Um, once we get these, yeah, I think big picture items addressed, um, and, and certainly we want to work with you, you know, with parking because it's an issue, it's a concern for East Milton residents, and, um, you know, I look, you know, what, what has recently been built, um, you know, in East Milton, you know, whether it's um, the Elliott Physical Therapy Building, um, which was a recent really, it's funny, I recently have been using Elliott Physical Therapy, and I see everyone in Milton there. It's like, it's such a wonderful thing that we have in our community. It's a great business. It does have residential units up above, um, very limited par parking as well, and a really difficult site there. Um, but that was a successful, um, successful project working with our town, not on the scale of density that obviously that we're looking at here. But, um, but let's try to work together on, you know, I, I think um, if we could bring that commercial base because before anything else, it is a com it's commercially zoned, and I, I think we we need to we need to retain our commercial. Um, well, we, base we are reducing it. I just want to point that out. But I, I mean, that would be a minimum. I agree entirely with that. Um, to take away what's already there. To only have fifteen hundred square feet out of twenty thousand. So that yeah. may I? Yeah. So that's yeah. my question: Is do you have um, how many square feet of commercial space you in the current buildings? And how many parking spaces you have because those businesses sur survive i suppose you call it survive or thrive i don't know which but uh based on what they have currently so if they have the same number of spaces i mean one could argue that you could have the same amount of commercial space with the same number of spaces in a different configuration that was our original argument right? that we presented that last year and you didn't reject it necessarily i have to say that from a yeah. planning board standpoint we just didn't get to the end, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But I, my thinking on that was pretty much what you said. There's, there's really maybe three, three off-street parking spaces, which are near the, which they're really with the florist. There isn't really any parking. Mm -hmm. And the then, you know, and some so, conversation with the business owners, like the kitchen shop, you know. That business has been there for some time. Where do people park when they come there, you know? Sure. Exactly. So if it works now, will it work in the future? When you redevelop it, that's the data that could help the planning board and the zoning board of appeals. I think zoning board of appeals. I think. And as far as like the overall planning, you know, the last plan that we had done in East Milton Square identified the parking challenge of small sites because it's hard to meet the needs of the parking on a small site because parking takes up the space. That's one of the advantages of the stacker system. I've seen that stacker system. The one that, and I think Maggie, if, if you and Sean and whoever else hasn't seen it, take advantage of the opportunity to go see it. 
because it's quite impressive. Um, and it's being used in other places. It might be, not be in Quincy at the moment, but it is being used and um, in many places. And so I think one of the advantages is when you have a small site, how many, how many ways can you solve the problem, right? So that is one of the ways you can solve it. Another way is to have you know, municipal parking. I was recently in Attleboro and looking where they have a, a commuter rail station. They're building a lot of multifamily housing there and some of it mixed use, and they're solving the parking situation or, or requirements by municipal garages and requiring the developers to utilize the municipal garage for their buildings. And so I don't know the, exactly the financial way that that's working, but a conversation about that is something Milton might need to talk to other communities to see how they're doing it, because they're unlocking the potential that if they're downtown that they didn't do before. And that's kind of like what Milton needs to think about doing as well. And it might make more economic sense for other developers. It might be too late for this project. But you know, it might be a way so that you don't have to build as much because you're accommodating your parking in a more efficient way someplace else. So um, I just would like to make a request of Tim when he's looking at the staff report I didn't see, we do not have design guidelines for East Milton Square. I do not see anything in the site ap approval criteria where we talk about what the architecture is. And we've done it on others. We've tried to kind of push it where it is, but I think we need some legal advice about our standing. Are, are we, what kind of ground are we standing on with that? Because I don't, I don't want to be, you know, pushing something that we don't, we're not on, on sound footing legally on. And, um, and I'm not saying that anybody has, but I'd like some criteria on that. Because East Milton um, has been, um, it'll eventually catch up and have design guidelines. We're, on, we're in, right. in the works on it. And, but and, I, and, but and Milton Village, one, just one last yeah. thing, Meredith, if I may. <clears throat> it was a little bit easier to do the design guidelines in some ways because the architectural character is so, can, you know, is so there. It's either the small buildings on High Street kind of wood frame character or it's the brick buildings on Adams Street kind of character. But East Milton Square, I don't see architecturally as having the same kind of continuity. And so it's the design guidelines, I think, are going to be interesting to develop and to and then to actually be able to follow so when the architects get the design guidelines and have to see how they're going to design a building to meet the guidelines what are they looking at you know what's what's the source of building that's nearby in east milton square that's the that's going to drive the guidelines so it, it'll be i don't see it being quite as easy as milton village is what i'm saying right and i i think the the my addressing the architecture is in order to mitigate the density that's that is not zoned for that is incredibly one would say overly dense but this is a way to achieve that I, I think um, and I've sent Tim some examples um, I think a while ago I had sent you some examples of way buildings can be large but they don't feel they don't feel large they don't feel cold and and not welcoming you know they they feel like part of a neighborhood and so it's a way of of lessening the impact of a really large building and that addresses and density and i think that's the way i'm um looking at it so all right good so i think we should move on and and listen um if there's anyone from the public um who would like to speak to this um, so john david corey has his hand up john i'm going to let you talk on the panel. If you could give us your name and address for the record. 
John David Corey, 1452 Canton Avenue. I'm not sure if you can hear me. Yes, welcome. Okay, thank you, Chair Hall, for uh, taking some public comment. I know it's late. I won't be uh, hopefully too, too long. Um, but I think the board's comments about the project have been um, uh, pretty close to where I would be on the project. It's, um, there's no question um, the developer really is going to have to uh, thread the needle with this because the project is just obviously too big for this site. So they're going to have to really work with the massing and try to get this um, down even further for the context. Uh, I'd like to just uh, talk quickly about the uh, site plan. Um, the site plan uh, originally was a series of lots, smaller lots, and now we're combining them for one large project. Uh, and from my experience, uh, I've had uh, advanced degrees from MIT in planning and design. Um, and when you combine these lots like this, you're creating this mega block. And I know a mega block might sound but you know, it's the idea of that combining the lots and you're creating a massing problem because of this, because in the footprint is becoming too large for the surrounding neighborhood. Uh, so I think you really need to look at the site in a way where you are breaking the massing into at least two pieces. Uh, if you look at the facade that you've designed, you've actually tried to do it in a tripartite design. So you're sort of hinting that you're making it into three structures, but it's not working. You really need to have um, um, really clear uh, differentiations between the parts. Um, the site plan as well, I'll continue on that because that's really the purview of the board, I believe. Um, but we have a site plan with a building that is um, that's a, it's a, it's becoming a mushroom. We have a three-foot cantilever around basically on all sides of this thing, especially over the sidewalks. And then then we're saying we have problems with the trees because the trees have to fit in there. So now we pick these crab apple trees that the stack group is, was, is advocated for. But the fact is, is that the three foot cantilever, I believe, is causing the problem. The building, in my opinion, should be pulled back to the property line, come down to the ground, be supported as a classical building would be. Uh, Chair Hall mentioned sort of like a rusticated base. Uh, which the building would sit on, not just a wall of glass. Uh, that might also help if you're doing uh, residential on the first floor. Um, it should really look like residential on the first floor and not a converted storefront. Uh, and you might be able to market them better because that's a busy area as well. Um, getting back to the trees, you know, you could do American uh, hornbeam trees. You could do um, uh, Princeton elms in there a little bit more of a vertical tree. I think that these uh, ornamental trees are just not going to work in this location. Uh, they have pretty flowers. You can put them around elsewhere, like little decorations. But, you know, give, uh, I think people need a canopy. Uh, the screening in the northeast corner, these arborvitaes don't do anything for the neighborhood. I think that's a problem. I think you really need to scale the building down, give some more green space, and then we can, give, we can find some room for some trees here. Um, those are general comments on the site plan. I will weigh in on the material list. Um, you guys have really, it's a mainly a residential project. Um, and it's a, it's, it's a cold location. We have the ramp, you know, we know the spot. And then we, then we go ahead and pick a palette of medium grays, dark grays, light grays, grays, blacks, 
um, we, we need to open it up and warm up the project. And I think you'll have a much better reaction from the residents in the area, uh, as well as potential sales or leasing in the future. Um, you have a linear brick design. I think that actually is probably one of your most successful elements of the facade. Um, the linear bricks are slightly odd in my book because you would never build with a linear brick like that because it would break. So to me, it looks like it's just um, scratched on the surface. I probably would do a uh, slightly more traditional shape of the brick, uh, a taller, fatter brick, which would actually stack and look like it goes someplace. Uh, there were mentions about warmer bricks, yellows or reds or things of that sort, I think would work well. Um, the, uh, those are the materials, um, the fiber cement, all that business, I would get rid of it, I would lose it all. Um, you had a brick detailing precedent image, which I think was actually quite handsome. It had some rustications around the windows. It had some uh, lengthful details. Um, I thought that was pretty good. It actually incorporates some balconies, which you're showing glass balconies, which I don't see anything in the district with that glass. So I think that's a, a not, not a good design. Um, you know, if you look around at the houses in the area, most of them look like they're like 1880, Greek Revival, 1860 type of stuff. Um, Clivewoods, you know, they have a man, some of them have mansard roofs, they have dormers. Uh, perhaps you could work the metal roof into the system and maybe make the top floor true mansard. I think that would be handsome uh, because, again, you're, you're sort of stepping back the building from the neighborhood, but then you're going forward at three feet over the sidewalk and then you're coming back six feet, so you're only really trading three. Maybe if you went straight up and did a nice mansard roof, that could be handsome. Uh, lighting, I think I think when the redesign changes, I think the lighting will change. I won't get involved in that. Uh, we talked about the apple trees. Uh, certainly some uh, American horn beams will work well there. Um, so, and then the last thing I would say is the corner piece as you're coming um, down uh, Granite Ave, you're, I guess you're coming, uh, you'd be coming north. Um, you know, the corner of the building, I think should be anchored where you have the florist now. Um, I think that should be the gateway. I think the massing should be on the corner and then it probably should step back from that point. I think it'd be much more handsome. And I think you would get a lot of photo ops and people would really, you would really see that building as a beacon as you come in and, and create a place I think that'd be very helpful um, and give it a name and that type of stuff. So uh, hopefully the comments are helpful and good luck with it. I do think you have uh, a team that can do it. I've gone to the website of your architecture team and I've seen some projects that you did like on East Broadway. And I think there's, uh, I think there's some hope on the project. So thank you for taking my comments, Chair Hall. Thank you, John David. Do we have anyone else from the public who would like to speak at this time? I'm not seeing anyone right now. If, if there's anyone else um, on Zoom or in the, in the room that wants raise to your... speak, you can use the raise hand function or raise your hand if you're a real person. Not that you're not real people <laughs> at home. I don't know. Yeah. Feel free to raise your hand if you would. Or certainly feel free to email comments in if somebody um, has something to add. Oh, they don't got, want to speak. We've over. got uh, Andrew D'Amato has his hand up. I'm, Andrew, I'm going to allow you to talk. If you can give us your name and address for the record. 
Sure. It's uh, Andy D'Amato, 26 Pierce Street. I'm also a member of the East Milton Neighborhood Association. And I just want to reiterate um, that previous caller, uh, you know, hit on some points that I thought were really well. Um, you know, if we, if we could make that brick look more like traditional brick um, and, you know, both in size and shape as well as color, I think that would go a long way. Uh, with changing that whole, the whole look of that building, which just, you know, looks like an ink block building. Now, you know, certainly, uh, you know, this, the guys mentioned that, you know, we, East Milton Square doesn't have quite the charm as the village. And I, I, I agree with that. We don't have beautiful old mill buildings and, a, and a, a waterway running through it. But we certainly don't have anything that looks like this building. So to set the standard, for what the East Milton neighborhood's gonna look like wouldn't be this building. I, I think we really have to try to make this uh, with more traditional style uh, building materials, whether you know it's fake brick that looks like real brick, if it's fake clapboards that look like real clapboards, you know, something along those natures, because most of the comments we're getting at from the neighborhood association, and they're numerous, is that they just don't like the way this thing looks and it, it doesn't feel like home and that's really unfortunate because most of the people i'm talking to have lived here a long time and it and it is sort of you know without getting corny it's it's kind of heartbreaking to hear someone who's lived in the neighborhood for so many years say this building is not making me feel like home it's not making me feel like this is my town melting which you know they love so i would just implore the developers to sort of think about that a little bit and see if they could come up with something a little less modern. Um, in Maggie's comment about a modern interpretation of, of classical building style, you know, something along those lines, I, I really think it, it would go a long way um, to uh, persuading some people that this is a better project. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Anyone else just from the public you've seen? Nope. Other hands at this time. Can I just make a suggestion about the um, what we were going to group together next in yes. terms of topics? Would that be helpful, uh, Marion, if we went Mar through sort of how we yeah. will yeah. go yeah. for next? Um, oh, and I, I just wanted to say that I, I agree with um, Marion, when she said that we had peer review on stormwater and traffic, and if, if we all can just read through through those, I think. Yeah, and, and, I'll, and I'll get a reconfirmation yeah. from the town engineer. We'll get you a fresh yeah. letter from her. I, I don't think that there'll be any additional um, Cause comments from Because stormwater, I don't yeah. think we all, any of us feel like we have the expertise, yeah. so we rely on the peer review and the engineering Certainly, department. And, and we can begin this. I. I do feel like we need to take a pause and just No, I'm just I'm just saying developer, what, yeah. I'm just yeah. saying I'd like yeah. because I don't think those will take a lot of time. I'd like to cover right. everything. So like traffic, stormwater, the operations and maintenance plan Certainly. and the construction management plan all in one meeting because okay. I think we can do it is is what I'm going to suggest. And I just have them here just a few notes, but okay. it's like I but don't I do think wanna... it'll take as much time as right. this kind of the architecture and the site plan is all I'm saying. So um, well, I, yeah. I don't think engineering, you know, I don't think engineering yeah. would change. I, you know, I'm not sure traffic, um, but you know, if we're looking at parking, yeah. you know, I, I, I feel like that's sort of, 
you know, the elephant in the room, you know, the, the parking, I mean, commercial space and, and, par and parking it, you know, that's, um, and the design to mitigate the massing. I think those are our, our three things. So um, I don't know if I'm ready to schedule anything quite yet, but I do agree that we could probably get to at least a couple of those um, to address. But. Yeah, because I think it would be helpful if people could see the parking stacking system if they haven't and they want to see it you know, that's to get ready for that. Time for that. Yeah. Yep. And then the other thing is I, I have a lot of questions about the construction management plan, so I want to, uh, I don't have to go over them tonight, because, obviously, but I want to allow them to be able to respond to the questions. questions. So we need, I would like to see would At you least. like to send some questions to Tim that he could forward to me? If you can give me one minute, I'll just ask them to oh, supply. Sure. Yep. Okay. Um, can you address where construction workers will park, where a job trailer would be located, where dumpsters would be located? I didn't see it on the plan. Address the demolition phase and what the construction hours and dust control would be for that phase address delivery hours and how you can schedule that to be off peak hours of traffic peak hours and then the truck routing plan doesn't actually show any routes so actually add the routes to that the how the trucks would go so great. if you could supply that that would be great okay that's great okay okay great and if you don't i can send it to you yeah. so and the, the general there's some pretty major issues that yeah. I mean, they're not easy to solve. I get, right. the, I get the comments that we, I mean, I, I yeah. hear the comments that I under, think I understand. Um, I don't know how easy they are to resolve, um, or even if some of them can be, given the financial constraints and everything else. So, I mean, right. but um, we, we're ready, I mean, we would be ready probably to address those, what I call sort of uh, support, um, studies mm -hmm. at any time that you want to do that. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know, I mean, we can start discussing design, we can try to discuss it a little more. That would be great. Now, I think we're yeah. probably going to, it just depends on how extensive we, how extensive we, we, we are interested in doing any design changes. We're going to have to go back and talk about all of this. Right, I um, want to give the do. opportunity and, um, yeah. So you, you have your next meeting on the 23rd. Were you thinking of continuing this hearing to that date? Well, obviously we'll need to put, we'll pick a date and we need to select a date. Um, what are your thoughts? Do you think that's enough time for you to really be able to take a pause and, and, and be able to address? Um, Not everybody can be at that meeting on the 23rd. That's yeah. an issue for us. What about dealing with the, the low hanging fruit? Stuff the engineering yeah. at the next meeting and give us some more time to review some of the design and other bigger items. That's that would be weeks out. right. I think that would be yes. I think that would. Why don't we put it down for the twenty third? And you, if you're not ready, we could you know. Well, in, in terms of the engineering and this CMP yeah. and, uh, and the traffic, I mean all that information is there. We've mm -hmm. done that tonight. That's what was on the agenda, but. I think we could easily be prepared for that in two weeks. Okay. That might make sense. I mean, I know it, I know it doesn't get to the heart of the some of the comments we right. talked about, but those might need, okay. need more time anyway. We may come back and say to you, we can't do some of these things. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I don't know. We're going to have to go back right. and talk about it. Um, 
but we already have the other material. It's already been developed. We have the studies. That's the opportunity to discuss and to, to add, um, to answer the questions you already gave us. If you think of any other questions based on existing materials that we're going to review on the 23rd, mm -hmm. please do send them to Tim and we'll see whether we can assemble that. Um, and and all of these materials are posted on the website. So everyone, if you are so inclined, you can read the stormwater report, mm -hmm. engineering report, um, the uh, long-term maintenance plan. You, you can read the traffic report and all the updates to the traffic report. And I would say the same thing. If there's mm -hmm. a particular question that comes up relating to all of that, um, if you send it to the town planner, I'm sure he will send it to me. I will distribute it to the development group. So that way we can be as prepared as possible just to get through those topics at the next one. Maybe. Okay. So Mr. D'Amato has his hand up again. I don't know if you want to take. Certainly. Yes. Um, well, welcome. Andy, I don't know if these are new comments or. At yeah. All. Yeah. It, it is a new comment. I was wondering if the developer would be able to uh, provide the East Milton Neighborhood Association with a set of uh, plans so that we could review it with some of our neighbors and um, rather than trying to take them off the web, which is not. Um, a copy of the extra uh, plans. Yeah. A copy of the architectural plan. Yeah, this, yeah with elevations. I think there is an extra in our office, um, which Rich, unless you wanted that, there is an extra copy. Um, the, the board is uh, allowed to welcome my copy. I, can, I like digital, Andy. Um, save the trees, easy. I have a massive monitor, so it's easier. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's um, tough on the Rich, would you be able to pick that up from the uh, planning department's yeah, office I, I and deliver it. it to yep. Emna? I, I can pick it up from or you, too. We'll, we'll in... connect. Okay. okay, perfect. Thank you very much. I Great. appreciate it. Great. Have a good evening. Thank you. Good question. All right, so with that, let's um, want to continue to the 23rd at 7.10. To 7.10 on the 23rd. So moved. Okay, okay great. Thank you very much. Don't Second. we need to vote on that? I don't, do we need to vote on a continuing the hearing, I think? I thought we did, but it's I, open. I, I could be wrong. We voted we'll close we it in the past. Yeah. Uh, I think we need to vote Rich, have we, we've done it in the past, right? But I yeah, we usually do. All right. I don't know. Let's 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 make it official, and because we didn't do it for the scenic road hearing, so I, let's uh, vote that too. Yes. All right. Second. Um, second, Rich. Yep. All right. Well, Maggie. Yes. Cheryl. Yes. Rich. Yes. And myself. Yes. And you'll want to take a vote we'll, to continue the scenic we'll road just, hearing for, to seven oh five. For formality, yeah. to seven oh five. Um, the formality of uh, just um, making a motion to continue, as we discussed earlier, the 1200 Brush Hill Road. We will also be um, moving that to the 23rd at, I could, at 7.05. If I could have a roll call on that, uh, Rich? Uh, did we, you need a motion and a second? I'm to make a motion. I'll make the motion. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Go ahead. Second? Yep. Okay. And Maggie? Yes. Rich? Yes. Cheryl? Yes. And myself? Yes. All right. Right. Nice so and covered. Yep. All right. Thank you. Just one question. Yeah, in relation to the parking, I think for Maggie and, and Sean, it would be very beneficial oh. for them to see that. So yeah, I think so. That would be great. Sean's out of the country right now. I think he's in Ireland, actually. So. <laughs> he's, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get them together and we'll try to find a, a time. When he's a, back, we'll get, yeah, I'm sure they would like to take a look. Time and a date good. for that. 
Thank you. Right. And any information you have on Quincy and why they're not allowing it would be helpful. So I actually do have some information on that. One oh. of the projects that was approved was a project of ours, and yeah. it's not the same system at all. The, the, the system is a, a two-stacker system where one car drives in, that car has to come out, and it lowers down, and another car drives on top of it. This was a rental building, and we decided not to install it because we didn't think that transient <coughs> users would be able to use the system. It's not the system that's been used in Boston. It's not the system we're proposing. So. Good. Well, we'll, fo we'll follow I, up with more information on that. And I, I know the folks over in Quincy. I can give them a all right. buzz. That's and great. See if I can get Thank you. you all so much for your time tonight. Appreciate it. <clears throat> Good. Thank you. Thank you all. Good night. Um, all right. So, all right, so moving um, to our next um, item of business, we are actually, now we have our, um, to um, our East Milton zoning request for, for proposals, um, which I think we're, you know, Sean's away. Um, I think it's very dense material, so we're not going to go through all the criteria tonight. Um, I hope folks will continue to, to review that material um, so we can have a good a good healthy discussion on that on the 23rd as well but we did want to you wanted to talk about some logistics on that just so we yeah um, there's I think there's two kind of kind of things that we need to kind of figure out in advance of, of an evaluation of, of the evaluation criteria and if anyone has any questions about um, the email that I sent articulating the process that we have to go through um, you know, we can talk about it now, or you can email me or give me a call. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's very important that you write everything down and you come up with a, a sort of a written articulation of kind of why you're making the, the ratings that you're making. Um, all of that is spelled out in the Chapter 30B guide that I sent around. Um, so it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not light reading, but it's not the heaviest stuff out there either. So hopefully, hopefully, um, you know, we all can kind of figure it out together. The two things that I want to talk about are reference checks and whether we want to bring these firms in for interviews. Um, I'll start with interviews first. Um, the, the style of procurement that we did, um, there are other methods that we could have used to sort of, you know, you can, you can, you have the option of like shortlisting respondents. So, you know, you go through the criteria and you know, there are two that are highly advantageous and two that are not advantageous. You can shortlist those first two and kind of bring them in. Um, that option is not available to us. So if we decide that we want to bring firms in for interviews, we've got to bring four firms in for interviews. And so everyone kind of gets the same opportunity to be questioned in the same way. Um, and then sort of that becomes itself another selection criteria. So um, we don't necessarily have to decide tonight, but I, I, I think we should all be thinking about, as you're doing this review, do we want to bring these firms in for an interview and talk to them kind of one-on-one? -on -one? Um, I, I, you know, if, if that's going to be the case, I would, I would advise a special session for that just because it, it would take you know, a, a, a little bit of time. Um, so can I just make a comment yeah. about that? Um, if we see one firm that stands out above the others, then that might, you know, help guide us to whether we think, you know, we want mm -hmm. to interview, right? Right. So 
I'm just trying to think how we keep it moving. Like, do you want to get a sense from any of us that, like, if there's only one firm that might be highly advantageous at the at the bottom line or not? I, I, like, I mean, so I, I think that um, we all agree yeah. that there's one firm that we feel like this fits the needs for East Milton. Yeah, I'm and, just worried that interviewing might take. You know, by the time you get everybody I scheduled, agree. it's going to be like yeah. a while. Yeah. So and I we think have consensus. We and then what, what, I'll, what, I'll, what I'll say is this, um, you know, without asking people how much homework they've done so far, um, when, when do you think that you would have sort of digested all four proposals and be able to sort of make that judgment? Because I think, you know, we can, we can probably, you know, as a sort of scheduling matter, we can kind of schedule that or not schedule it. Um, you know. I think by the next meeting. I, yeah. I've already read through them. Yeah. I'm just, you know... It, going through it again with the criteria in mind. And, yeah, and like I, I have a first impression and I have a ranking mm -hmm. in my mind, but I want to go yeah. back and look yeah. through Same. and just, like you said, yeah. apply the criteria so like to follow your process. But uh, in my mind, I don't see them all at the same level, just from my first pass. I'll just say that. Yeah, and so I, 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 th I think the way, the way that I would think about it is, you know, it, the, the interviews... So, and we'll talk about reference mm -hmm. checks in a minute. You know, the interviews kind of serve as, I don't want to say tiebreaker, but like if, you, if everyone was bunched together, you sort of need to kind of figure out how to shake them out. Right. And, and the interview can sort of, if, right. if you're already seeing something where it's like, there's no way that this firm catches up, you know, no matter what they do, um, then maybe you say, all right, well, we can sort of use what's on paper. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, it, ultimately, it's up to you all to make the that decision. The problem is it's either of... all or nothing, right? So to, in my mind, it's either one stands out or you, do, or you interview them all. Well, and so I, I, I think that's why, you know, it, it is, it's, it's tough decisions, but I think, you know, the selection criteria kind of, you know, if you can apply, you know, good judgment to it, you'll have, you know, the decision gets made for you in a way if you sort of mm -hmm. add everything up. Um, the thing about reference checks is um, we should check references. How do you want to do it? Do you want to, you know, I know there's, there's five members, but there's four here and there's four firms. I don't know. Um, <laughs> A lot of them provided references within yeah. their... So, I mean, like, you know, what, what we've done in the past is, you know, you don't necessarily have to call every right. single reference, but yeah. depending on how much, you know, you want to do, you pick one or two, you know, and, and mm -hmm. give them a call. If, if everything's consistent, great. If you get two wildly out of left field evaluations, maybe you call a third. Um, but it just becomes a matter of how do you want to divvy up that work, um, you know, in terms of, you know, who does that. You know, I'm happy to make yeah. a few calls, but I don't want to make eight calls. Right. And I, I also found it just very helpful um, for others, if they have time, to look at the websites for some of these firms, because I think there's a lot that's nuanced in, in some of these, the RFPs, and there's things that are that are stated quite clearly. Um, but it's also helpful to look at um, some of the, the culture, you might say, of, of um, on top of you know, what, what they've been given us, which is you know, um, an answer to what we've asked for. But it gives you a sense of the, the experience that I feel that we would be getting and the attention, and, and, um, which is part of the criteria. Um, yeah, one but thing, just the websites were just helpful too. So, I think one. Um, sorry, uh, and I just in communities additional work that wasn't necessarily always in everything, but other communities that they worked with. 
Sorry. Um, what I was going to suggest is that's important is to actually look at the team. Mm -hmm. Is the team that's assembled the same team that's done the work that's e examples of the mm -hmm. work? Mm -hmm. Because uh, it, you're going to get the product of the team that you get. Right. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, it could be different. And that's the part I want to go back and look that's a little right. more carefully at. Yeah. Because some of, the, some of them I was looking at uh, what I thought was a well thought out uh, a schedule and you know what they were going to be doing tasks within that sort of I guess their work plan and uh, and others you know like wonderful graphic representation work that I think is really important for public understanding but if that's not done so the community engagement mm -hmm. some have a community engagement dedicated person so these are the things, like if we look at what's going to put somebody above the other, you know, if you were going to weigh the criteria, like, you know, if we were going to weigh, we don't weigh those criteria right now, right? They're just there. So the work plan, for example, or the, the staffing, or, you know, the level of experience. You know, we don't say one of those is more important than another. But we have talked about some of that being more important like how important community engagement aspect uh -huh. of it is. And I think but we the, learned a lot from the village. You know, I think going through that exercise was, was helpful for what, how important community engagement is mm -hmm. in the process. Well, the other thing I think that certainly that I learned was that um, having um, a way to communicate complicated zoning mm -hmm. is really important because the most common reaction to something if people don't understand it is to fear it and so you have to be able to communicate it and so that's a big part of what they need to do um, so get sort of everybody on a common understanding you know sort of mm -hmm. where you it's going you know so that when you get to the end it's not right. all chaos <laughs> I'm much more interested in giving up the phone calls right now. All right. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so let's right. not leave before we figure that out. It's just um, like I always kind of think you can't always judge a book by its cover. So I'm inclined to having um, interviews, uh, but I understand the whole time frame. So I don't know if um, you could, Tim, you could reach out to um, the people and see what their schedule looks and see how quickly they can come in. Well, so, I, I, th I think what, it might, what may be a good idea is just to sort of get to, and, and Maggie, I'm, 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 I'm chasing after this, just get something on the books mm -hmm. and then decide on February 23rd if we want to do it or not. Um, and then, so we're not waiting until two weeks from now to schedule something. We've got everyone kind of in a good place. And then we, we can just say, eh, we're not doing interviews, you know, forget about it. Or we've got something on the books. There's also um, more effort required on our part to do the interviews because we need to have a set of questions, questions that are the same questions asked of every one of them. Um, so we have to be prepared for that yeah. as well. Yeah, well, also, I mean, I, I, I get the point of, um, of not, like, um, judging it. But, I mean, it, there's a cost to those folks to do interviews. I do interviews a lot as a vendor, um, and I, I wouldn't want to take everybody in for an interview. My own opinion, 
I say you bring the top ones in, or you know, if you have two people that you just can't pick between. Um, that way, we don't waste people's time. Rich, I'll I'll confirm this. I, I don't think that we have the option to pick. I think. Oh, if you have to interview everybody. I think if we. Or if not. We, yeah, I'll, I'll con uh, this is this is my understanding of of 30B. Right I'm gonna, you know, my opinion, but I, you know, I'll reserve the right to change it. Is that we don't interview? Okay. I mean, that sounds crazy. Yeah, uh, let me like again. That's my understanding of it. I'll confirm with 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 town council if I'm I'm reading that correctly. Um, yeah. but, but we don't have to interview everybody on the team. Can't we just bring in the right, lead? right, right? But it's like so you can't say we're going to bring in you know firm X and firm Y and then. We're not going to bring in firm A and firm B. That's interesting. I've never heard that before. All right, um, yeah. Well, so within... really, it's only bringing in four people because there are four. No, right? but they they will. Well, at it's least in my off. experiences, they're going to want to show their team. So, yeah. like, if they they're not going to just have like the principal in charge or the project manager because that won't show the depth of the team. I mean, that's my experience with interviews when our firm's been interviewed, but. We yeah. bring in the team because there might be questions about something that that person, that one person, doesn't have the most experience with. So, in other words, you bring in somebody who's not the community yeah. engagement expert, for example, or the right who doesn't write the zoning, and they're not going to be as well versed. So I'll I'll get that confirmation and then I'll do some some coordination around a date with both the board and the firms with the understanding that we may decide not to do interviews in the first place, but just so we've got a date on the books. Good. Okay. That sounds good. And the other thing, some again in my experience have been sometimes the questions are sent to those firms in advance so they can prepare for it when they're in, at the interview and they know who they should bring to the interview mm -hmm. so we would have to be prepared to get the questions together yeah I agree. probably a week and at least a week in advance so do we want to pick a date now because we're saying it's not going to be at one of our regular scheduled meetings well, I mean, so, you know, probably the week send after out. the 23rd, I think, would yeah. be. Um, Do you want I, to send out a poll, like, independently, just, we'll just to, that, that we, people can look at their calendars and, and just respond to Tim? Does that sound good? If they're just a yeah. sort of a save the date, if we do decide that we, this is what we want to do? Just for what it's worth, I'm away that week of the 27th. I'm away three days of that week. So maybe we do the following week and commit to making a decision that night because we want to get, yeah, get cracking. Yeah. This is why I think it's important to get a sense of whether people think one firm rises to the top yeah. for them. I don't know for, you know, I have this, like I said, I want to go back and double check, but if yeah. that were the case, I don't know that we need to spend a month, you know, to yeah. get through, you know. We might be able to decide on the 23rd. Sounds good. You might want to bring the results of reference checks to that meeting. You say well, nobody volunteered to, to call them, huh? <laughs> subject to, yeah, getting, we could make a decision subject to reference checks. I would be too. willing to call a couple, but I'm not calling eight, and I'm not calling. Right, I'll, I'll also figure out how to arrange this. We'll figure it out. Okay. Yeah. Um, because we, uh, we'll, 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 want, we'll want to do at least one for each firm, um, so we'll, we'll figure that out. 
And um, I would suggest that they're becoming, again, the same set of questions asked yeah. of each reference. Yeah. And but if I, don't mind, I don't mind calling anybody. I could call anybody if you give me the questions to ask. Okay. Um, And then, um, so so let's let's commit on the twenty third then to like everyone brings their spreadsheet of the evaluation criteria. So you've looked at all four firms, you've rated them on each criteria, you've come up with a composite criterion. So everyone has a rank, and then the board collectively comes up with its collective rank, or you decide you want to have interviews and, mm -hmm. and use that. Um, since I'm not a selector, I have opened the price proposals. I have seen them. That's all I'll say. Um, that becomes another criteria mm -hmm. once um, once you've sort of gone through the sort of the the qualitative stuff. Then I will. It's like a we can make it like a game show if we want, um, or we can just say what the prices are, and then. Basically, the, the the way that you're supposed to think about it is, you know, you don't necessarily have to take the low bidder, but you also need to say, well, we think that the you know the highly advantageous firm that maybe costs more money is worth it versus the next most advantageous firm which may have a lower price, and sort of justify that. So you know, you have the jurisdiction and the discretion to do that, but you've got to explain why. Um, so it may turn out that. The most advantageous one is also the lowest price one, and then bing, bang, boom, you're done. Or there may be a mix, and you've got to sort of discuss and kind of justify that. Right. So. I have a question about the, I, I know in at least one of them, it's an over one year process, and that'll cross into two fiscal years then. So is that something that you've got figured out? So the bulk of the funding from the grant is a two-year contract. Okay. Um, and then we'll want to spend the MPIC money first because um, that's fiscal 23 money. Um, then we'll probably want to spend the grant money because we need to have a product by the end of fiscal 24. Um, and then we also have funding from the South Shore Chamber of Commerce that is cash. Um, so we just have it and we can probably spend it you know, we'll spend that last. Um, but I think we should be we should be good on that. Okay. Good. Yeah. Sounds like we're in good shape with that. Okay. Is that it? That's for it. That? Okay. Um, so we can move on. Um, old business. Um, anything else on MBTAs that you want to add at this time? Tim? So uh, just to just to kind of show you a little bit of, um, you know, I, I've my, my, my plan here is to reprise um, the presentation that I've given a couple different times. It's evolved over the from the first briefing I gave to the select board to the planning board. I was at a public forum a couple weeks ago where I gave a presentation. Um, just to sort of incorporate all of the sort of latest on, on the guidelines. But what, it, what I'm basically kind of, you know, presenting is, you know, here's, here's what the guidelines are. Here's, um, you know, options for what compliance could look like. Here's what we've been doing. Here's what we plan to do in the future. Um, 
and then open it up to comment. Um, we have, I, it's up on my whiteboard, um, we're in a 90 minute forum, you know, at least half of that, if not more, for, for questions and comments. Um, we've got a couple interactive features um, within, um, and, and this is one of the reasons why we wanted to do Zoom, so we could sort of do polling, we can incorporate some other online survey features, um, just to get some sort of additional data from, from people who may not actually make comments. Independent of that, we've also, and I'll just kind of show you um, on screen share, um, Josh was able to make a survey that we've posted on the MBTA community's website on the planning department page, um, which you can see on your screen mm -hmm. um, if, you're, if you're watching at home. Um, this is on the planning department page, MBTA community's multifamily zoning requirement on that menu. Um, we've got a advertisement for our forum. Um, there's the link to that. And then we've got this survey, um, which also hypes up the, um, the meeting. And this is like a really general survey about kind of gauging people's knowledge of, of the program um, so far. So how have you learned about the MBTA community requirements? You know, all these different, I'm actually not gonna fill out this survey. <laughs> um, we wanna find out where people live, you know, by precinct or if they're outside of Milton. Um, you know, just some really general questions. One thing that is, is, I think, will hopefully be a helpful thing is, you know, we ask, you know, do we want to focus on the transit area? Do you want to have a district that's spread out? You know, that's kind of a fundamental question. It'll be good to have some, you know, just some, some input on that. Um, we but, do have, you, but do you give them any context for that? Like, if, in other words, if you said, like Maggie said at one time, if you, leave, if you put it all in one district, it's going to be high rises. And if you spread it out, then it'll be low rises. Yeah. For so, 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 so there's there's two questions that get after that. So it's like, do you want a big low density district or a small high density district? And then um, it's, do you want to have it entirely in the transit area or elsewhere and in town? Will you be able to tell if people who are living in the area are the ones who are saying they want that that way or not? In other words, if, it says if, if somebody's like living in precinct yeah. nine, like I do, and they say they want high density in precinct two, well then, you know, that right. is, should be a different category than somebody who lives in precinct two and says, I want high density in precinct two. Josh, we can suss that out, right? Because we'll, get, we'll have results just in a spreadsheet all down the line of all the questions, right? That's correct. Yeah, each of the answers and, and each respondent's information, uh, while anonymous, is uh, sort of selected within each each person so we'll see how an individual selected and and compare how they related to say this question to what district they live in exactly yeah so we're going to keep this survey up for a little bit um we'll 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 publicize it again at the meeting itself um you know i, I think we'll want to as the as the process goes on we'll want to do additional surveys and sort of update questions um, but we can get a little bit of data here, um, and we, we've already gotten um, a fair amount of comments. Josh and I went out, we posted um, in a bunch of the public parks, we posted flyers at each of the T stations. Um, we'll, there's one in the library, there's one in the Council on Aging, and then it went out through all of the normal kind of electronic channels. So um, we've gotten a, an okay amount of responses so far, some so can I just make colorful one comments. Um, some some useful comments. Some <laughs> that's that are good. Not so I, didn't, useful. I didn't even know about this survey yet. So yeah. if I don't know, 
Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't know. Well, that's what so. I was going to suggest. It seems that's as if the select board, you know, audience is pretty large. So, mm -hmm. do they have a meeting between now and the 16th where they can make an announcement about the meeting and no. the survey? Um, I mean, they're meeting before town meeting, but I don't think that's televised in the same way. But um, well, maybe Bob Hiss can make it announcement. Was this, was this put in the paper? Um, we, uh, I'd have to check and see. We did talk to the Elaine Carroll is, about it. The forum is in there. Is it? Um, okay. But it's, but it doesn't have the, okay. anything about the survey. Well, if, if people come to the forum, they'll know about the survey because we'll, we won't, we won't shut up about it. Or even if they look up the forum on the website, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. So every, all of the, so like the, the flyer that we put up is a QR code to the survey. Oh. And then the survey sends you to the forum, you know, it's got a link to that and everything. So. Um, that's the nice. thing. We, we, yeah. didn't, we, we didn't want to put up a flyer for the meeting because then we'd have to go back out and do it. We're gonna, they're laminated. We're going to leave them up for a bunch of weeks. Um, and, and so that'll just be, you know, some, some data points, um, you know, just to get an idea of kind of where folks are at. Um, and we're, we're developing an email list through this survey. So the final question is, if you want more information, give us your email and so, so then can, we'll... I think a, a um, announcement would be really helpful because then the town meeting members from the precincts uh -huh. who would be in that catchment, one half mile catchment area can at least go back and if they've got a neighborhood association or a way to reach out. I know there was a, one time, that, I don't know if they still do it, but the town meeting members from precinct two would gather together Mm -hmm. And um, but it's really important that they know about the survey and, and fill it out um, since yeah. they're the, the ones who are absolutely impacted by it. So I'll I'll reach out to the moderator tomorrow okay. and see if he can. Can we um can we print? Can you not we? Well, I mean I could, but could um we print out a survey and hand it to town meeting members because. Most likely, they might fill it out during town meeting, and then if we have a drop box, they could drop it in as they leave. Um, that might be a bigger ask of because then they'd have to download everything electronic because it electronically uh, feeds it. in. Yeah. I mean, you, we we could print it out. I just I don't want to impose on town meeting too much. Two How about days before. Have, there's a table usually at the front, and if you had a, a flyer at least there that had the QR code. At least yeah. you can get yeah. people that, that some people that way. That's a good idea. Yeah, we've got additional copies of the flyer that yeah. can be distributed. Yeah. I'll, I'll also note that the survey has been translated into Spanish and Chinese for additional um, accessibility. Great. In French. You should do French. Absolutely, do French. We have a, <laughs> a community here that speaks I, I French. Think, I, I think. <laughs> what, what did we did we use? We, we used an AI. That wasn't able to do French. Um, that's the I, it wasn't able to do Haitian Creole. Uh, yeah. right. what we were looking for. Well, if you would, if we do French, we maybe can ask the French department, or my if we're if depending. Get some kids, some give them a kid some community service hours. Exactly. Ooh la la. The high school. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. Um, so yeah, I I, th I mean I, I'm hoping I'm hoping for a good turnout. Um, you know, we, we're 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 trying to sort of leave enough time for questions and comments. The thing and and, and the reason I, I you know we'll we'll figure out some in-person um, engagement and and especially you know when we get a consultant on, you know we'll do that. 
I, I just I, I like the the nimbleness of a remote meeting. Um, it's mm -hmm. really easy for us to publicize it. It's really easy for us to manage it and kind of get the most bang for your buck out of out of um, you know a, a remote meeting. Um, so. And we'll, the, what I will say about that too, if I may, is that some people are not comfortable speaking in public um, if they think that they have something to say that people might not agree with. So you're just more likely to get honest, you know, feedback from an anonymous survey. I yeah, think, and, and, I, anyway. and I think, you know, these are all, you know, these are all ultimately, you know, data points, you know, someone, someone comes and, pub and testifies at a meeting, that's a data point, you know, their survey results, those are data points, you know, um, and it's eventually, you know, town meeting will be the ultimate mm -hmm. data point. <laughs> um, so I think, I think hitting the town meeting members is going to be a great idea. I think that was a really good suggestion. And I'm not trying to, I, I just, you know, town meeting is a really intricately choreographed thing. I don't want to like, give someone a call tomorrow and be like, hey, I need to give 250 surveys to people. Um, Just that know. this special town meeting is light on articles. So yeah, so. It, it, it's a good opportunity. It's a good opportunity. Yeah. Versus May, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so we'll, um, oh, we'll get Oh, the other thing is, that. can we share it on Facebook, on maybe some of the Milton Facebook pages? Um, so it's, it's on Facebook and Twitter from the town. It yeah, is. we we put it up on the town social media. Um, you all are more plugged in to other town social media networks um, than but I we am. Can. We've got your permission to share. M Maggie, it's out there. It's public. Okay. It's not, okay. It's not mine anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great. Good questions. Okay. Um, and then Tim, I don't know if you want to say anything about the potential low impact design and software. Um, yeah, so so Mira, what, Mira wasn't able to join us for our last meeting. I wasn't sure um, how long she was going to be out. She's 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 back back in action. Um, but I just I, I figured with the public hearing, um, you know, we'd want to we'll want to get her in soonish, just because we'd like to get cracking on this stuff. But it's you know obviously. It's not necessarily as time sensitive as, as a public hearing, so. Um, I'm really interested in this, though. Yeah, and <laughs> and 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 what what I what I can do is you know I'll, regardless of when it's on the schedule, I will send out some of the materials. Um, we, we may have sent some of this stuff out already, but um, you know just the presentation she intends on giving and some of the backup materials, especially we have this mass Audubon tool that um, basically helps us evaluate all of our existing regulations compared with, you know, here's, you know, here's a bad policy, here's a good policy, here's a best practice. Um, you know, so it's really good. You could conceivably go and say, all right, we're going to amend all of our stuff to be consistent with best practices. It would be an immense task, but you could do it if you wanted. Because one thing I would think is like on the stormwater management and low impact design, like doing the green roof, for example, yeah. as 440 Granite is proposing, um, is, is one of those um, recommendations. And, you know, they're offering it on this, but we might want to make it a requirement, you know, places, for example, yeah. so that you're, we're, we're getting that. Because they don't have this, uh, because everything's paved already, mm -hmm. yeah. they're not increasing the runoff. So they don't have to do as much, right. really, by law. But we see what happens oh. if you do have to do a lot, is these huge structures, which are terrible. Mm -hmm. What's that? I, know, I, I was sharing that. my screen the whole time, so everyone saw my notes. Oh. That's what I do. Yeah. I take notes during the meetings in an email. That's nothing scandalous there. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> 
Maggie's laughing, but she didn't tell me that I was still sharing my screen. <laughs> All right, so that's good. So yeah, more to hear from that. That's that's great. Okay. Anything can, else? Tim? Can I just ask? And I know it's not on the agenda, but um, are we going to be talking about the codification? Y yeah, when we have, we'll have zoning on. Because that's coming up, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So okay. I just, just want to make sure we're tracking just, that. Just a quick update on that um, so we don't run afoul of agenda stuff. Um, probably tomorrow um, we're going to get a, an announcement out. We'll probably put it on the town website and social media, but especially out to town meeting members. We've built, because um, we're doing both the zoning bylaws and the general bylaws. Um, general bylaws don't require the same level of public hearing as the zoning bylaws. Um, so we're trying to keep them separate, but lockstep. So the town clerk is going to have a page on her site. We're going to have a page on our site for zoning. Um, you know, just sort of walking people through, here's what we're doing. Here's the materials that our consultant provided to help you kind of evaluate this stuff. Here's the existing bylaw so you can compare it side by side um, and just get that out to everybody. Um, you know, warrant committee, town meeting members, general public, you all. Um, when are we going to hold the public hearing on it? We'll have to figure that out. We'll need to. Yeah, um, that's not, I'm just trying to. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the the select board has put it forth on for May. Yeah. May. So it's on it's on the warrant. So on so, the warrant. Okay. So whether we approve it or not, it's already on yeah. there. Okay. So. Between now and the beginning of May. But we will have to have a public hearing. Okay. For that. So we have. All right. Yeah. Thanks. There's, I just there's time, to, but we'll want to. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and I As think we think about like these meetings earlier that we talked about and, and these continued hearings, I just um, right. Think through. And there's a balance between, you know, you want to have enough time for everyone to kind of digest things so that your public hearing is meaningful, mm -hmm. but also, you know, you want to leave some time in case you have to continue that hearing. Um, right. So I think, you know, yeah. yeah. That would be great. Right. So actually, I just um, thought of something. So on that survey for the MBTA, you know, Sean is you know, put some time into doing a very rough general cost analysis. Should there be like a question that we're asking the residents if, you know, will you, ex do you support this if it comes at a cost and at what cost is the breaking point? Or is that, is it too premature for that now? I mean, I, I would I would say it is premature. Um, I, I think I, I've seen Sean's numbers. Um, I, I think just especially given the fact that that we're going to be putting some resources behind a more rigorous analysis, um, mm -hmm. I'd want to have that question be accompanied by that. Not, not, I mean, you know, I, I think Sean will will admit that it's you know it's it's rigorous, but mm -hmm. not as rigorous as um, you know a team of of economists could could do. Um, so I, I think we'd want to pair that type of question with some data, like here's, here's the facts, you know, um, cause I think that's really what you're looking for is, you know, I, I think right now we really don't know. And so the inf the answers that you're going to get back are not going to be kind of rooted in, in anything except for, you know, people's opinions. Um, you know, I, I but I, but I think, you know, when, and this is why I said, like, we'll want to kind of adjust our surveying capabilities as the process goes along, because we're going to be learning things from consultants. We're going to be learning things from the public. We're going to be learning things from each other. 
as we go along, we're going to want to continually test that information and get input on it. Um, so I think you know the survey is easy enough to um, you know to put together. Josh was able to to put it together pretty quickly. Um, so I think we can be we can be nimble in that uh, regard um, in terms of you know getting feedback on a kind of almost real time basis. So because um, I just feel like most people, you know, we all do it. If unless it's affecting us we don't really get involved or we don't pay attention. So, you know, a lot of if it all is going to go in one area or two areas of town, most of the town might say, oh, I'm not worried about it. But then they should be worried about it because it will affect their taxes or schools or whatever. So mm. I don't know the correct answer, but I just put it out there. The more that people know, I think the better and I don't want to be an alarmist either, but um, I really, you get people involved when, when they think about how is it going to affect me. No, but I, I, I think there is a time and a place for, 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 that, sort of, for that sort of question. Um, yeah. We're still relatively preliminary. So one way to handle that maybe is to have some information that says, yes, there will be direct impacts in particular areas, but there could be impacts for throughout the whole town. You know, it's just to get people at least to be aware that they should be paying attention if they don't, if they think, okay, I live over, you know, far away from that area where the trolley is. But if, you don't have to say what the impacts even are, you know, I don't think. I think we just say that there will, potential, there's the potential for impacts townwide and that people need to be concerned about it regardless of whether they live right. within a half mile of the right. trolley or not. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, let's, okay. we can, okay. I, 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 I think, I think as, as the process goes on, I think keep in mind, we've got the capability to, to ask these questions. We can kind of bundle them together and get them out there um, in relatively short order. Great. But the survey's already out there right now, right. so I'm not changing it for another couple of weeks. Yeah. But, did you, but you did allow for a comment for if people want to email with comments because yeah. you said you've gotten some. Yeah. So maybe there's a way to categorize and catalog some of those. Yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll definitely do that. Yes, yeah, no, maybe like where are we getting a sense in the town? Of right. Where there's we are. there's there's some multiple choice. There's some, you know, short form answer form. So we'll once we've got a, a bundle of data and, and we'll probably wait until after the forum because I think we'll get a lot right. a lot of people, right. you know, right. filling it out after that. Um, you know, we'll try to get it to you in a kind of coherent uh, format. Right. You all still have to drive home, so uh, interest of time. Um, <laughs> I think we beat this one. In my back. It's... All right. So motion with to that adjourn. motion to adjourn, yes. And yes, second. Okay. Maggie was a second. Or... Yes. Okay. Roll call. Rich. Yes. Maggie. Yes. Cheryl. Yes. And myself. Yes. Good evening. We pulled off a uh, hybrid. Good night, yes. everybody. Good night, Good night guys. Bye. Thank All you. Right. Tim, uh, sometime can we get, I, you may be familiar, but I, I'm, there's a lot happening.